Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. It's a live countdown, Joseph. <laughs> long fingers, long fingers. Hello, welcome everyone to whatever this show is on Monday. Um, oh, I need to post the, the, send us money, everybody. The chats, send us distraction chats. I ain't using that other name. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's ill-fitting. It's filth. Yeah, absolute filth. filth. Agreed. Send send us chats. Send us money, everybody. I'll post the link here in a second. Uh, we're here to talk about AEW full gear that happened on Saturday night, which feels like a, a lifetime ago, considering the the lack of sleep. I believe I know I've had. I feel like you've probably had a lack of sleep as well. Joseph. By my standards, it's not been too bad. You know, um, definitely. <laughs> Generally, my sleep is not great, but I've done, I've done okay. You know I mean? This is a weird one for us because this is some some throwback shit. Like people have had to wait, you know, forty eight hours, just less than that, to hear pay per view takes from us. I guess not from you, but from me anyway. And that's like the before times. As of late, I've been doing like live reactions and sitting there, you know. So I sense people were excited to about the AW full gear, which apparently happened this past weekend. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, you fired up. You fired up, Jeremy Lambert. I am fairly fired up. Uh, I've had a day to kind of recuperate, even though I, I did work yesterday. I rewatched it uh, of show today. Yeah, the important stuff that I cared about. So I rewatch it. You rewatch. Did you rewatch the whole show? Okay, I don't know if you're breaking up or I'm breaking up. 
I think it's me. I told you before we went on air that my computer yeah. Well, up and I try to restart, and I don't know if chat it can if chat's getting what I'm getting. We may have a a scenario here where I go solo again. True, <laughs> seems bad. I don't know. It could be me. Does it go, chat... go... Oh no! Yeah, I think the chat's getting what I'm getting. <laughs> oh no! This has happened before. It went very poorly for me. Okay, Jeremy, if he's doing something, he's fine. Nothing is working. I'm trying to okay. message you. Okay. Okay, I just I just messaged you. Okay. I'll be right back, everybody. Okay. <laughs> well, here we go. We've lost him. Indeed, we have. Here's what I'm going to do about full gear. I'm going to actually go with the chat here. Um, okay. I'm, I'm looking... Yes, Dave. So I did a stream last night on the, the Jay Lethal thing uh, from a, a a mostly media perspective as to why there was no questions asked and all that stuff. Um, we, I think, are going to talk about it tonight. I don't really want to talk about why Jeremy's gone because I think he's the one that's probably going to, you know, I spoke about it for an hour last night. If you have any questions about it, I will answer them when we will get into it, but I don't want to kind of jump the gun in that regard. Um, how good was Bud Matt versus Okada? It was good, man. It was a good match. Uh, you know, very much an Okada on tour match. And I mean, that's a knock. They're still better than most wrestling matches. But, you know, he's only going to give you so much. There was not like an extensive, uh, there wasn't an extensive finishing stretch or anything, which is what Okada's obviously speciality is. But for what it was, me at the match, I thought was really nice. Okada kind of prioritized. I thought, I thought you know, giving Bud offense and, Bud feels like a natural fit in that presentation. I like the match. I don't know. I'm not a star rating guy. I'd say it's in that three and a half, four uh, push range would be my my estimation. But again, that ain't really my deal. So there you go. Um, yep. Chat was confirming that Jeremy Lambert was a coward. Jeremy's connection is about as good as the Cody tag team match. Sorry to hear that. Um, solo Joe. Sorry to hear that too. <laughs> Um, yes, there was absolutely uh, more than most, more than half, the majority, however you want to phrase it, of people in that room didn't have a reason to ask a question. Which again, we got into a little bit last night, and very disappointing. Not surprising, but yeah. Again, we'll we'll try our best to get into it more later. Um, how was that? How we, I didn't see anything else on the show, Green, other than. Uh, Bud Matt and um and Okada. <laughs> Jeremy's got bad connections, SV3. He's in it's messing him up. Uh when when <laughs> why did they start a street fire bomb by the rules? Yeah, that was um that match getting nineteen minutes was an interesting choice. I'm surprised Jack Crosby didn't call the police about that one, I'm being honest with you guys. Nineteen minutes is an awful long time for a street fight involving Dan Lambert. I feel like they did the tags because they knew they couldn't do 90 minutes of an actual street fight. But in that case, just don't do 19 minutes. Some of the timing stuff was interesting on full gear, which again, we will get into if Jeremy can ever return to this program. But yeah, it was an interesting start. Interesting match. Um, what have we got here? Awesome pay view and greatly respect you for your video. I appreciate it. Hopefully Kenny gets some rest. Yeah, man, I have to say... Um, I, 
I don't know enough professionals to say this for sure, so I'm just talking here. Kenny seems like an extreme case with the vertigo talk. That's very, very, very scary. But I think people will be very, very like surprised at how many of their favorite wrestlers are working real banged up. Again, that doesn't mean Kenny is an extreme case, especially, um, you know, with the uh, especially with the Virgo deal that you talked about. But it's a real thing in wrestling, and it's just probably not good if we're, if we're being honest with ourselves. But you know, I don't know if it'll ever change. I'm being, if I'm being real. Um, Kingston overrated talk. Very interesting type of bust that out. I must say, I respect it. Um, you, know, you have to choose your time for these battles. So to do it after one of the great matches of the year, you can only you can only respect the courage of these of these wonderful people once well. Um, Sin of Jeremy is oh, I don't know. Fuck it. All right. Jeremy Lambert. Okay, I can't hear you. Is that better? Uh, do a monologue. AW Full Gear was on Saturday. I assume Joseph has already reviewed the entire show. If he hasn't, let's talk about it. You sound good, Jeremy. You sound good. Flying. All right, thank you. Um, I haven't done anything. I just talked to the chat for okay. a little bit. I hope our viewership didn't die. Um, it seems like it's up. I haven't even like promoted the show yet. Well, I haven't posted a link or anything. It's not ideal, is it? You know, like Bud well, Matt working a Southern Indie, bro. There's no need for that. <laughs> I mean, I guess it's okay because you know no one showed up to the to the early portion and caught all that nonsense, and so they didn't they didn't miss anything. The the, yeah. the, the meat of everything here. So I don't know how you feel about this, but you know this is a new channel, and we think we can experiment and have fun. I do not necessarily think we need to review this in a match-by-match fashion. I agree. Especially because there is a major topic for us to talk about. The chat was talking about a little bit. And, you know, obviously I did a stream about it last night. You've yet to have a chance to talk about it. And I, I don't know if you want to do that at the start, at the end. I don't know what the best – there's not really a good transition. Um, we can we can do it now because okay. I, I mean, I don't know. It probably is the most important topic, uh, at least – Big picture wise, obviously yeah. wrestling wise, a lot of a lot of cool stuff happened. But you know, this is a, a pretty big topic. So you you and uh, confirm shoot did a stream on the Patreon latenightgrin.com, which no one should go to. Please don't go to latenightgrin.com. This was actually free, uh, but you can go there and sign up for a dollar latenightgrin.com. You don't have to. You're not supposed to, but you should. Um, mm-hmm. So Jay Lethal, he was announced as the signing for AEW at full gear. And of course the, the cloud that comes with Jay lethal is the sexual harassment accusations by Taylor Hendricks, Kelly Klein, and, and one other, I believe David Vixen's fan said there was three of them. Um, the, the Kelly Klein or the, the Taylor Hendricks one's very well known. I think Kelly Klein's fairly well known. Um, and then the undisclosed one is you know, not obviously it's undisclosed. Mm. Um, so the the topic with lethal, I listened to you and shoot talk about it. I'm I'm not going to fully defend my my friends at the in the in the the media session. Sean tweeted about it. I don't know if you saw his tweet. Yeah, Joseph. I okay. talked to Sean a little bit. So okay, we, you know, we talked about it. Yeah, yeah. So you and I have a little bit more information than maybe that that's out there publicly regarding it i you know i'm not trying to disclose anything that he doesn't want to disclose he's he said it on twitter that 
he is he's talked to taylor she did not she's she's not out to prove anything and so instead of bringing that up and mentioning it he would rather maintain that friendship with her and Mm. and i respect that i talked to a couple others i know their reasonings whether or not i agree with it is, is a different story i do know their reasonings i but there were still other people that were there that i have no relationship with who do pride themselves on trying to get answers and everything who did not who, who did not bring this up and i i'm with you i think somebody should have brought this up i'm fairly certain everybody at least in that room knew about it I understand if like fans and stuff didn't know about. It. We yeah. had people in our chat on on Saturday of like, oh, I didn't I didn't hear about this. I understand if that didn't know about it. I would imagine everybody in that room knew about it. And Tony Khan gives them the platform and to ask these kind of questions, and nobody asked it. Yet some people they they have a a reason for that, whether I agree or not. I understand their reasoning for it. Uh, other people, I haven't talked to them. Maybe they have reasons as well, but. They they didn't bring it up. And some people are very, very adamant of, oh, I'm going to ask the tough questions. And the, the question was not asked. And it certainly, certainly should have been. There is no real benefit from a post-show scrum if that question is going to go unasked, if we're really being honest about yeah. it. Because if it's just going to be the guys talking about, like, having fun in their match and having a good show. It, there's no need for media, you know. You could give 10 fans VIP pass and have them ask Tony Connie if he had a good night in Minnesota. <clears throat> and I don't know who asked that. I don't know, you know. Um, but there's people in our chat that have no idea about any of this Jay Lethal stuff, and it is not your fault if you're in chat saying that. It is, frankly, the fault of people like myself that have done a very poor job keeping these stories at the forefront. It is the four people like myself that would review Ring of Honor and know the story, but either ignore it or treat it as like it's like just an asterisk, like, well, you know, you know, putting that stuff aside. And that's not really right, and that's not fair to the audience because you, a lot of you don't know it. And, like, the the live crowd, I don't think most of them knew it. Um, the lethal story went very much under the radar. <clears throat> you know, this is... Um, this is a terrible thing, though, but it's the truth. Like, last summer when his stuff came back up, like, there was a lot going on. It was – yeah, yeah there, there was a lot going on when it came up, and his was before all of this. Yes, it was. And yes, it was. so it did not get the attention that the other stuff did because, it's like, well, it's in the past. He's been – I, I don't want to say he's been cleared. I don't know how much of an investigation there actually was. That was the story. Yeah, we don't know. You know, the story yeah. was they – and you can – look, we, we didn't do the investigation. Um, I just – and then Bill's Matthew brought up there. That is the thing that really frustrates me is if you've watched any Tony Khan interviews, which Jeremy has watched probably more than anyone in the world, that dude does nothing but talk. He won't going to give you a no comment. I'm promising you. At the very least, if he if they feel they've done an investigation, he would have told you that. I mean, I'm, Jeremy, I don't know. It's my read on it, okay? I think you'd have got an answer out of Tony Khan. Whether, you like, whether we liked it or not is a different thing, but that's the point of having that access, you know? And again, I, before we go any further, Sean's Elephant Room, I spoke to Sean about it. I said it on the show we did last night. That I, I understood he had an actual unique, even unique situation there. And, like, he had to make a decision, and that's tough. Like, I'm not 
we're talking more about the broad, where it, my friends are not my friends. When you're in that room, the reason we have that access and it's important is because this stuff can actually, like, stuff can come from it of good, you know? Like, just him reiterating he liked the show or Jay talking about who he wants to wrestle, it's like, no, no, we don't really need that, do we? <laughs> like, this is the shit is necessary for us. So that's the, that's the deal to me. Yeah, as far as as far as Sean goes, he, I, I don't know how much he, he has said publicly. I do feel like he said this. He he has said, and if not, then apologies uh, to to Sean, I guess, for exposing it. He said he messaged Taylor and said, "I will ask about this," and she did not want it, it yeah. brought up from him. And so, the, Sean respected that because I know he said this on Twitter. He is going to respect his friendship with her over right. whatever people people yeah. otherwise may think over journalism standards and stuff. Again, whether you agree or disagree with that it, it is up to you, but that was his position on it. Mm. And so I understood that is why he personally did not ask that question. Yes. This goes back to somebody should have asked that because I guarantee you not everybody in that room messaged Taylor Hendricks and was like, yeah. Hey, do you want me to talk about this? No. Uh, so somebody should have asked that. Yes. You're right about, there would have been a comment. I don't think it would have been a, a no comment. I know you guys brought this up on the show last night with the, the Velveteen Dream stuff of, oh, hey, you know, why aren't you guys asking Triple H about Velveteen Dream? Triple H gives you the same answer about Velveteen Dream. Like, we did an investigation. We didn't find anything. Or, you know, I've already commented on that. I'm not going to comment yep. anymore. That, like, that was going to be the answer that you were going to get from Triple H no matter how many times you, you asked that question to him. This would have been the first time Tony Khan could have addressed it. So if he gives you a no comment this first time, then okay, you don't have to keep dredging it up and everything. I have listened to a lot of Tony Khan. He will. There is a chance he would have said, like, I'm not going to comment on that. But then when he does that, he typically provides like further yeah. kind of yeah. color on stuff. So you would have gotten <clears throat> some type of comment out of him, whether or not it was the answer you know you you would have liked. I don't know. The fact is we don't know because nobody did ask it. Um, it's uh, Bob Ruski saying, did, did people fear for creds being taken uh, for that question or whatever? I do think that is an issue with people is they do think like, oh, they're going to pull my credentials if I ask right. this question. Uh, I think that reflects more poorly on AEW if than it does anybody trying to ask that question. If, uh, if a reporter's credentials is pulled... Because they ask that, that is an AEW issue and not a, a reporter issue. I And honestly, the backlash might be enough to where it's like they, they would have gotten it back. Anyway, Absolutely. You know? And in addition to that, and I said this last night, and this I don't – I haven't walked today in these people's shoes, but this, to be really honest about it, like, you know, professional wrestling isn't an NBA team or a sports team that you're – that as a journalist, some guys, their gig is following that team around. If you get your credentials, Paul Dream, what does that ultimately mean? You don't get to do the media at four pay-per-views a year? Yeah, like, basically. It ain't taking your livelihood away is what I'm getting at, you know? So, like, it would have been nice if someone asked a question about it. Even if that was their fear, this isn't the case of, you know, a journalist that covers a sport that's in an arena every week and he needs his credentials to get in the damn building. That's very, very, very different um, to, to this. So, and I know, again, that's easy for me to say, but, like, that is what he, like it's the truth, you know. Like uh, we're not making anything up. I know that gig. This isn't like guys are going to Dynamite every week and they're doing a post show after every Dynamite. It's four pay per views a year. You lose there your credential. Is, they use your, you know, it is what it is. 
it is the credential of, of the four pay-per-views a year. It is also interview access. You know, some of these people, their channels, right. they can, they get a lot of AEW interviews. And so maybe they didn't feel like they could lose those interviews for, for being on their channel. Um, so, you know, that could get pulled as well. There are pe- there were people in that room again, who don't get AEW interviews. There were enough people in that room that don't get the access that would would warrant not asking exactly yeah yeah that's the best way i put it um there's something else in the chat that i I wanted to i wanted to touch on here because again we're we're just talking like i talked about last night we talked about here this is a conversation i'm you know i understand it's a difficult thing but the key i think and this is what's important for shows like ours and all of these stuff is like it's most comfortable for you and i to come on here and just like review full gear but that what's most comfortable for you and I and any other content creator isn't what's right, you know? And these conversations and these questions may make everyone a little bit uncomfortable. And you know what? If someone had walked up and asked this question, maybe it would have put a damper on the event, but like that isn't the point, is it? You know, like that's kind of the idea is that, you know, these, these topics need to be talked about because otherwise you end up with people in the chat. And again, it's not your fault. They didn't even know the story. Um, not a common at all. A lot of people didn't know the story. So yeah, it's, that's what I wanted. So people in the chat mentioned this and this is so true. Like I'm not saying that I needed someone to go up there and like stop pounding the desk and being like, how the hell did you bring this guy? There was a lot of ways you could have phrased the question. And this isn't a knock of Sean. Cause again, I know Sean's reasoning. I'm talking about everyone. Like, there's a lot of ways people could have could have framed this question without it being like confrontational in the least, you know. But like you could have worded the question in a way that assumed they'd done an investigation, you know. Like what was what was your internal investigation for bringing this guy in? Whatever which way you want to do it, I don't. You know, I'm not. I wasn't one asking the question. But what I'm saying is, it wasn't like all or nothing. You didn't have to walk up there and get mad and fired up about it. If you'd have asked the question in the way that I just suggested, and, the, and Tony Khan got mad at you, that would have reflected very very poorly on him, not you. Yes. So. There you go. It's it's very. I'm not going to say similar, mm-hmm. but you know when when he cut off Ella J in the, in the pre media call, people were mad at Tony about that. So if he's going to get angry about this question being asked, yeah, it's going to reflect bad on Tony or AEW for pulling credentials, not the person asking the question. Like you said, Joseph, nobody needs to to go up there and no no one needs to go up there and make accusations of their of their own. No. Or or yell at Tony about this, or mm. just be like, "You brought this guy in; he's accused of sexual harassment. How could you do this?" Type of thing. You don't have to do that. Um, pe- people in the chat have, have mentioned stuff like the 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 Jimmy Havoc situation, Sammy, Max Caster. I believe most of those situations were asked through like print media stuff. I did full gear two years ago. There was the incident with Jimmy Havoc with the phone and. You know, it became a, a became a big thing in in the media call or in the media scrum. I asked Tony about that. He commented on it, and that that was that. Uh, this is obviously a, a much more bigger situation than something like that. But there are certainly ways to do it to where you don't look bad and the question gets answered. And mm-hmm. yes, it it should have been asked. I have I have no defense for e- even even Sean. I mean, he he has his own defense. I have no defense for anybody who who didn't ask the the question because 
it, it truly, it truly should have been asked because, and I assume at some point it will be asked, especially now that it, yeah. it's blown up a little bit, like the next, whatever Tony does media interview he does, it'll likely get asked, but we should have gotten an answer that night. Yeah, absolutely. We should. That's the, that's the point of it, isn't it? You know? And, and, um, Again, I'm sure if someone have asked it, there'd have been a few guys on Twitter that would have said, this isn't the time. And that's complete bullshit. It's exactly the time. You know, the person that would have asked the question didn't sign Jay Lethal. Um, they were presented a chance to ask questions to a guy that Tony Khan and co had decided to sign. And it was a very, very logical, not just reasonable, but a logical question to ask him um, and Tony. So it's frustrating. I think what's saddest about it and most frustrating about it is that it's so unsurprising. It is uh, again. I listened to your 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 show with with shoot on on late night grin dot com, um, and it is it, it's not surprising because as much as and, and I'm I'm guilty of this too. As much as we want to quote unquote clean up wrestling media and, and try to try to defend some stuff, like there are still big issues with with wrestling media, and and this is this is one of them. I, I really think that I really think the the fandom wrestling media blur line has gotten worse than ever, and and this is I, I don't consider myself a, a reporter or anything. I I try to truly stay away from doing any type of. I'm definitely not an investigative reporter or anything of, of that nature. Um, but there are people who who are considered reporters and a lot of them come off as, as just fans. And so they're not going to ask about this stuff or they're not going to do things that you would hope that they would do as, as reporters. And I think that because it is such a almost subjective form of entertainment, they are able to blur those lines more than if this was a, you know, a, a different sport or politics or, or anything like that. There's really not Truthfully, like Bix is the only like true investigative reporter. Yeah, and he's a great example of a guy that gets the exact criticism I just said about. Like, how many times has Bix run a story where people are like, basically, their response to him is, "You're not like I'm uncomfortable with this truth being brought to my attention." Yeah, he regularly does that. Like, he'll go for a guy that people not go. That's terrible. That's wrong on my part. He will report a story that upsets Bill because they don't want to deal with that reality, you know? And then when it blows up, eventually they'll, they'll sell it and they'll like, he's the one that's actually doing that shit though. Like <laughs> he's the one that actually cares about those stories. And try, like, that's been a real thing when he's like, and I've defended him on that a lot. Like he'll be sharing stuff that we all agree is, is wrong. And the response to it would just be like, ah, oh, quite over there. Big. Like, that's bullshit. Like he's the one that's doing what you guys want him to do. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just, like, it's, it's really, I, I don't know what to say about the fan thing, because, like, I'm more good with that than anyone. Um, I think there would be a real benefit to everyone deciding what their role is in wrestling media, to be honest with you. And I don't know what that means for me, but, like, it feels like everyone's just kind of under this, like, big umbrella, and no one really, like, there's not really any explanation as to who's who and who should actually be in that room and who shouldn't. Because, like... I think you know this because we talked about what would have happened if we was in St. Louis. Like, I would not have been in that room. Yeah, 
I, but, I wouldn't have either, but for a different reason. But there are people that are as qualified as me, aka not all, that were in that room. And that seems bad to me, Jeremy. Now, I don't know what the I don't know what the uh, way of dealing with the fan thing is. I don't know because again, you know, I'm as guilty as that as anyone. But I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. I have a lot of friends that I think are good people, but some of the stuff they do in the media game, I just I roll my eyes at it. You know, and I'm I'm guilty of it as well. I'm. I'm not always the the most objective person. I, when it comes to news and news writing, and this is where yeah, you don't do anything that you don't need to take that. You you that's not a bullet you need to be taking at all. You do your you do your job perfectly fine. You give your opinion on a podcast, that's fine. There's nothing. Yeah, there's nothing and, like and that. that's where like I know I have to. That's where I know how to I guess switch it. Of okay, if I'm on a podcast, yeah. I can you know, and, and I think. This is something Sean does well and yes. other people don't do well is like they can't separate what they're writing about to what they are like just kind of giving their opinion. Absolutely. About on podcast. Um, and again, yeah, that's where some people do have do have difficult with. I wouldn't have been in the room because we would have only got one credential and it would have gone to Sean. That's why I wouldn't have been there. Uh, had I been in the room, can I say that I would have asked? I I would have asked Sean if he thought it was okay because I would have had no issue asking. I would not have wanted to damage anything with of course with with, with that area. And you know, does that make me if, if Sean said no, like hold off on it, like or you know, if he says no, she doesn't want it asked, and I didn't. Does does that make me you know bad at this? Possibly that I'd have to just sort of live with that. Would I have wanted to ask? Yes. Again, I have would have had something that I would have had to just go through to know if if I could ask. If there wasn't any type of relationship, friendship to to maintain there, then I, I would have I would have asked because it is an important question to ask. I think there is, and again, before I go any further, this is. Saying a, a thing that a trend that includes me very much, so I'm not taking shots at anyone. I'm just being real. I think there is a real trend in terms of like podcast personalities overlapping with wrestling reporters. Yeah, and I think it's it's kind of dangerous in a lot of ways. Um, I am a podcast personality. If you want to be really generous to me, you can tell that I'm a wrestling critic. Um, I write stuff, but not really. You know, I talk about stuff, but not really. Um, the only world, the way that I would ever do that kind of coverage would be if I was in a position where I could have a solo interview with someone. And the context of said interview would have to be me, the guy that you know from these podcasts, talking to a professional wrestler. Um, it would be talking about, you know, the the ins and outs of, of the actual professional wrestling genre, the, the medium, all of that stuff. However, the day that I give you guys news and I frame it as news, then it becomes a very, very different thing. And I don't, I don't read enough or watch enough or listen to enough wrestling media to tell you guys that, like, I know who's doing this wrong and who isn't. I'll be real with you, I don't. I'm way out of the loop. There's some stuff, some people I really enjoy reading and, and some stuff like that. But in terms of the rest of the media folks, 
I'll be I'll be completely honest with you guys. There are people in the game that are like prominent that I don't actually know what they do, and I don't mean that to be dismissive. I'm just being I'm being really honest and like I don't need to name anyone because that's not what I'm here to do. I'm trying to be a dick because they probably do great work. But like I think wrestling media would benefit from like actually knowing what everyone's role is, you know. So again, if there's any doubt about what I do, I am not a reporter. I'm not a journalist. Again, if you want to be really generous to me, I'm, I'm a wrestling critic. But really, I'm just like a podcast personality, and you might find me funny every once in a while. Um, I think, I, frankly, Jeremy, I think more people probably could do with <laughs> framing themselves a certain way. That's my read on it. I don't watch enough to know that for sure. But you get what I'm saying? Like, there's a big, broad umbrella that's put over all of us. I am not Sean. Like, my job is nothing like Sean's. We are in a completely different places in the wrestling media landscape. He's breaking news every day. I don't have news. I don't have sources. You know what I'm saying? So I think that helps. I think it's important when we do these conversations. I don't know who was in that room. Probably some of them are a lot closer to me than Sean, which is, you know, telling in its own way. Uh, I I would imagine some of them are a lot closer to you yeah. than they are, Sean. Um, yeah, defined roles would, would certainly help. I don't think we'll ever get to that point. But I'm with you. Like, yeah. I, like I consume a lot of wrestling media a lot um i don't know everybody that that was in that room i can i can guess as, as to who was there and things like that i'm trying to easily find out as to to who was there but yeah a lot of them are they're just they're fans that give an opinion they probably get better access than than we do and that's not just me and joseph that's fightful as a whole when it right. comes to to interviews and everything and you know the they might have access to it to to a one-on-one tony khan interview where they wouldn't ask the question because they are more worried about let me just talk to tony khan and tell him how great his booking is and you know we it shouldn't it shouldn't be like that it it should and defined roles would certainly help things like that because i'm not i don't think anyone's close to sean but i i'm I'm not either. People sometimes want to maybe think I do similar stuff right. to Sean. Like I just, I just write a bunch of new stuff. I don't have scoops. I don't mm-hmm. even, when it comes to like interviews and stuff, because when Sean does get one-on-one interviews, he will ask certain questions that, that might be tougher to ask than, than other. His, his interview with uh, Brett Lauderdale after the, the COVID stuff all came out. I thought Sean did a great job in, in handling that and, you know, asking the questions that needed to be asked. I don't know if, I would be good at something like that. And that's why I'm not, I don't want to always do a lot of interviews because I don't want to be in a position of, Hey, you need to ask this about, about this person. Like, kind of like you said, like, I just want to talk wrestling with people. That's why I'll be selective with interviews. or just not interview. Look, we got, you know, this be, this be transparent. We've been doing the distraction for almost two years. If you and I wanted to, that show could have become an interview show a long, long time ago. Yes. Now we may not have got wrestlers we care about, but that's not that's not what a lot of those podcasts do. We could have got wrestlers, couldn't we? Like, let's be real about it. Yeah. Um. This is about to sound really like mean, and I don't mean it that way. But I'm going to ask you because you understand it better than I do. Do you think there isn't there is a? Do you think wrestling media is hurt by so many individuals? And this is not saying they can't do more by any means, but they're like bread and butter being interviews with the wrestlers. 
because those are the people that's access really was like, like they can't lose that access. Right. Like if your gig is that you get an interview of a WWE AEW guy every week, listen, man, you may have the best intentions. You can't like, there's only so far you can go with your opinions, you know? And I get that. Like I, I sympathize with that crazy. Cause I, I can't relate to it, but I understand it. I can empathize with it for sure. Do you think that, um, do you think yes. that can be a problem a little bit? I, I think it's a hundred, like I, like I said earlier, I know people in that room who their, their channel, their, their outlet, it, it it's very, I don't want to say it survives off of those things, but it definitely helps their, their visibility yeah. and their profile and everything. And if they lose those AEW interviews, they're going to take a hit with that. And so they can't afford to do that, I think that absolutely sucks. There's, you've said it a million times, Joseph. There ain't a lot of money in this game. So no, it is not. No. If, <laughs> if you can, if you can find ways to, to make money, uh, you should you should keep making money at, at that kind of stuff. Um, so yeah, I think because people there are there were people in that room who that their outlet their channel needs those kind of interviews they they were hesitant to not ask that question in fear of potentially not getting those interviews anymore yeah i think that looks poorly on AEW if they take away that access for asking that question but i understand the fear a lot of people in the chat have brought up uh cast and that you know he he essentially got blackballed because he reported the the brian news they're they not everybody knows the the, the full story right, on yeah. that, um, but I don't think it was a good look for AEW to do that either. Cass isn't like he's, he wasn't doing AEW interviews; he was he was doing reporting. Um, the, I don't think it was so much a, the the Brian knew there was there was a lot to that. That's not my story to tell, uh, but there's definitely some fear there of like, it, if they're going to do that to, to Cass and just based on this of what they know, if Cass has not said everything, then they don't want to, they don't want to ask that question and have that happen to them as well. But there were people there who just cover, they, they, they just go to these media scrums or whenever they can. And they don't get AEW interviews who still could have asked this question. Yeah, they could. And look, this is, this is getting way inside baseball. I, I don't even know if this conversation belongs on the air. Like it is. What I, you talk about the, the, the way this game is set up. Like, listen, folks, they, you, there's definitely saying to the notion you got to just, you got to just play the game. Cause like, I, I know that from being on the other side of it. Um, I think my, the last five years of my life would look a lot different if I did things very differently. I think Jeremy can test that sometimes where, you know, the way that I do things and the way that I talk about things probably doesn't help. And I understand very much not wanting to go that route with it. It makes a lot of sense, to be honest with you. Like, it's hard. And you want to cover pressure wrestling because you love it. You don't want to get yourself in any trouble. You don't want to, you know, step on any toes. I get it 100%. That's very human. I just think that we're talking about a promotion that's two years old and you get given this access to talk to people after a pay-per-view in front of everyone. Like, 
I think if you're not willing to ask the question, you shouldn't be in the room. That's, that's my honest belief. Um, what that means for rest of me, I don't know, because that probably means that there's that no one's in there, apparently. Which, you know, again, Sean had his reason, other people you said had their reason. I don't know. I don't know what their reasons. I haven't shown when I spoke to him, but it's just, um, to me, there's a, like, we can analyze it 101 ways, but like, as soon as you step in that room as like official media member to talk about a subject of that level of severity and importance, you should not be asking Jay who his dream match is in AW. And I don't know who asked that. So it's one of my pals. I'm sorry, but like, Let's be real. That's that's some crazy shit. Like, there was some veteran reporters in there asking that dude soft, but like Fran, Fran lobs up for him, and he's like, "Come on, we all know the story." Again, you guys might not know the story, but anyone that's been in wrestling media knows the story. We all run the stories on our sites. Like, it was very public. It wasn't like a you know rumor thing on Twitter. No, no, this was like actual allegations that we covered. Those stories run. Jeremy, you put it right. A couple of them. When Jay posted his statement in response. Oh, I I was the only person on news during the entire speaking out. Yeah. So, you know, this is this is too and that's not to dismiss saying it wouldn't be this news but like it's it feels like the bare minimum that a news report would ask about the news. <laughs> I'm sorry, but that is the story. Now it's more than that, it's real life. But if you just look at it through the clinical eye journalism, which I don't know nothing about, I'm just commenting on it. It's you know it's, that is the story. And the fact that it went untold is a massive, massive black eye for wrestling media. It's a massive um, tick in, in, that bo- in that box for like every single person that looks at wrestling media as a joke and looks at it as a bunch of fans that don't actually have any, any, any kind of moral sense of right and wrong or where the industry needs to go. If you believe that and I told you you were wrong before, I stopped telling you you were wrong about a year ago because I, I kind of reached the same conclusion. And Jeremy can tell you, because he's known his show me for almost two years, I've gone through some ups and downs with that process, right? There was a time where you and I really wanted to put this thing into, you know, we really wanted to galvanize the scene and promote good. And I've got real, real bad at that. Um, because frankly, I lost hope in it, man. I, and again, I'm not, look, I'm going to name, but I have friends that have done some wrestling media. That I, I just, I could, I'd never do. And and I, this is not me coming here and trying to be like uppity and like Jeremy knows me well enough to like some of this shit's crazy, dude. Like you, see, you may as well be working for the company. And that goes for both sides. Um, I don't know. And I, 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 like Frank's right, people have more like they have money to it, but you didn't. No one asked you to be in wrestling media. Like you, take, if you want to be a reporter and you want to sit in the room and like ask the questions. I'm sorry, I. I I have very little sympathy for people because I don't know how many of them really rely on it anyway. That's the other thing too is like, you mentioned Cass. Like Cass's, Cass's business was never built on that coverage. You know what I'm saying? Like he, he's easily been out of pivot and he's getting, he's getting really talented people involved in his site now and, and doing stuff like that. Like unless you're someone at your whole thing is interviews of AEW talent. Like there's no reason you couldn't ask the question. Yeah. Um, I, I'm with you in that, you know, we, we both talked about coverage should be better. This should be better. And I, I definitely just kind of stopped championing that. And I stopped championing that because of what I, what I said earlier of, I feel like since all of this, the lines have gotten even more blurred with stuff. Like, I, I don't think there is a line of, okay, who's a reporter 
and, and, and who's a fan. Because I think a lot of the reporters very much just come off as fans. And mm-hmm. so, I, and I don't think that's the way it should be, but it's the, a lot of times, the most prominent people. And so if they're going to do it, everyone else feels like they can do it. And it, it becomes it becomes tough. And so it becomes tough to want to be like, oh, man, if you're going to interview this person, you have to ask these questions and stuff. Because very few, and, and on Saturday night, nobody did it. And so it, it, this, this doesn't make it right for me. Um, but because of that, I'm just like, well, I'm just going to kind of go about my business yeah. with things instead of trying to stand up and, and, and fight for, for, for this different stuff. Like I'll just, as long as I don't sort of get caught up in, you know, as long as I know my defined role, I guess, then, and I'm okay, then I'll just continue to sort of stay in my lane and not try to make certain aspects better because it doesn't seem like anybody wants to make certain aspects yeah. does, that, does that make it right on my part no but that's just that's sort of where where i'm at and where my mentality and like so no nobody's really asked about this but i'm gonna, I'm gonna bring it up here like we didn't really discuss this on the on the full gear review show when mm-hmm. we, we should have had more of discussion there were reasons for that one it was it was three of us and i was trying to keep the show under two hours it didn't feel like the right platform to do it Two, in the middle of the show i'm not paying attention to twitter and everything i didn't know if lethal had done a scrum obviously i knew tony khan was there i didn't know what was asked what was going on during those scrums and so i i didn't know if it was asked or, or wasn't asked by by that point um and then three again with sean um, I wanted to, I I wanted to talk to him about what happened and right. why, at least from him, because yeah, I know Sean. He he said it. He would have asked if that it wasn't, you know, told, asked of him not to. Then I, I wanted to at least talk to him about like, hey, why wasn't this done? Uh, so that's why it wasn't really discussed on on the review show on Saturday. This was an easier platform to, to do it on. See, here's the thing. <clears throat> and I'm under no illusions as to what the gig is. It is pivotal for any of these people to maintain positive relationships with those that they cover. Um, that's 100% the truth, um, unquestionably. So before, I assume, you know, I don't think I haven't got much else to say. I, I'm not trying, but... I just want to reiterate again that this question did not have to be confrontational in the least. And I'm promising anyone that watches this, that was in that room, I am promising you that if you'd have asked that question in the, in a tactful fashion and you'd have got blackballed from AW, the public response to that move from AW would have been quite seismic. I mean, I'm real with you. If you'd have asked the question, like, I, I what think so. The... Oh, go ahead, Joseph. No, I just, I'm just like, I, I kind of refuse the notion that if you'd have asked that question and Tony Khan had never let you back at the event, you would, like, not have won that public battle. Oh, um, yeah. I, it would know, have, it would have 100% been, been blown back on, 
on AEW and Tony Khan. Like there are ways to ask that question, even if it's something as simple as like Tony, you know, last year or, or previous years, allegations have come out uh, against Jay Lethal when it comes to uh, sexual harassment. Uh, when you signed him, you can even just say, did you know about this? Was there an investigation? Do you just say, do you have a comment on this? Just like, hey, do you have a comment on this? And then it's on Tony to, to whatever he wants to say. But the, the like we talked about, you don't have to go in there guns blazing and, and act like the, you know, you're the most upset person in the world that they signed Jay Lethal and you, you're demanding answers. It is very simple of, hey, this was reported. Do you have a comment? Hey, I'm not, this is not me patting myself on the back. This is as simple as what I did when it came to the Jimmy Havoc thing. Right. Two years ago with the phone. I, I simply said, Tony, this report came out. Do you have a comment on this? Yeah, it's again, and we've got, you know, we've got in the weeds this and like, because you and I are like, we obviously a unique perspective. So we've turned this conversation into many other things and I'm happy with that. I'm content with doing that. But I think it is important that we not lose sight of like, if we're being really honest with ourselves, it was the bare minimum that it'd be brought up. You know, yeah. it was the bare minimum. And before we go fixing wrestling media, you know, we may have other opinions and other beliefs on how it's trending. But listen, if we're being really honest with ourselves, this question going unasked and it not being a surprise is an absolutely incredible, just a massive indictment for the whole scene. And, um, Again, if you were there and you think it's easy for me to say, I was probably right, but I wasn't there. So, like, you know, it is what it is. And because he wasn't, because Tony Cole wasn't asked to put it on in the chat, because he wasn't asked, it means that their chance of an answer is lower than ever. And in addition, it means that there is a precedent for such hirings being made to no real backlash. I'm going to be honest with you guys. In our bubble... There is backlash. If you actually look on social media, the grand, like overall, there is not much backlash. Let me be honest with you. And it's not because these people don't care. It's because they don't know. And the more shows, again, this is we've been guilty of this, they have these conversations about wrestlers, and sometimes we just do this stuff. as like, well, you know, there's other stuff with that guy. But anyway, great match. It, we, are, we have a, a, a duty and we have a responsibility actually to do better about that um you if you're a fan you do not need to i'm gonna see if you don't care as a fan you don't care like whatever shoot it out i i don't disagree with them. like you're a fan man like, do what you want to do i'm not i'm not here to judge anyone how they consume content like whatever but in terms of awareness like we we gotta do better and everyone's gotta do better of just like pretending it's so and I know for not everyone it's not easy to talk about because there's other factors and you can't just again you can't just be guns blazing and all that stuff. Um but like we could all do a better job signal boosting this shit, man. Like there's there's a lot of us that covered speaking out and then like we're very happy when everything died down, just go back to normal. And that's wrong. That's real wrong and and that was far too commonplace. So it's time for reflection, in my view. For me, it is anyway. I don't know about it. Like, if everyone else isn't, then that's on them. To me, this is a, this is a moment, in my view. Like you said, we we have certainly been been guilty of. I mean, look, we review the ROH television. Jay Lethal wrestled exactly. one of those programs, and we were just like, Jay Lethal, you know, solid professional wrestler, and everything, and, and didn't bring it up. There's plenty of guys that have been accused of something, and 
close to proven, close to not proven, whatever it might be, but certainly accused of something that are on television today, have prominent roles on television today. And we just kind of ignore it. And we're like, well, let's just focus on the television character and everything. I would like to say I will, you know, try to be better at that. I will certainly try to be better at that. I, I would like to say that I will every single time bring up like, all right, yeah, great match. This person's a piece of shit. I, I don't know if that's right. always going to happen. Shoot said something uh, on the the Patreon of like, you know, if you want to enjoy some of their work, then that's understandable. You can you can enjoy some of the work and stuff. Like, just don't defend this stuff because yes. you know the the lines. There's a lot of shitty people in wrestling. I enjoy the work of some of these shitty people. Um, but am I going to go on Twitter and reply and say how great of a person this person actually is? No, I don't even tweet a lot, a lot about what they do. Um, at least when it comes to major, major accusations, mm-hmm. uh, I don't, I, I try not to touch those people at all. Um, but I certainly do enjoy Chris Jericho's a big one. We've, we've had that discussion before. I certainly do enjoy and these are completely different levels, by by the way. I don't mean to make it seem yeah. like they, they are not. Uh, but, like, I I do enjoy the work of – I don't know if I enjoy the work of anybody who's been – I get what you mean. Yeah. Like, there's – that's, that's the problem is that, like – and Shoot mentioned this is – we all need to do a better job of, like – so the Jericho – not use Jericho. He's actually become kind of an extreme example. Um, I'm going to name someone. That seems wrong. Like, dumb views of a wrestler could actually qualify as an asterisk. Now, it may upset yeah. you. It may frustrate you. I haven't got a problem with that. But it's I, – I get just sort of – I'm not going to come here and talk every time about a guy that's anti-vax because, like – Right. What, like, do I – if you know me, you know my take on it, but like, I'm not really going to come on here every time. Like, But there is a big difference from that and this, right? And like, yeah. you and I know that, and I think most people know it, but unfortunately, I think we do a very poor job of like, this idea, we, like, this is a problematic wrestler, and like, he just gets put in the box, you know? It's, it's all it's lumped in. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's all lumped in to, to, together. And that's, I mean, essentially what I kind of just did by, by mentioning Jericho, and that's on me. Um, yeah, but it, it is all lumped in, and it, it certainly it certainly shouldn't be. Uh, as far as Jay Lethal goes, I don't know. They, I mean, I feel, I feel like we had the the meaty discussion as far as like the signing of Jay Lethal. It's it's a signing that just doesn't seem like it was worth it. Not none of the not to say like any of these signings are worth it, but it's like you're just bringing in Jay Lethal, you know. It's yeah, I mean that's kind of the unspoken part. I mean, some people on Twitter have, have said it, and like, you know, there's there's a whole lot of meat on that bone too in terms of just like really that's the signing. It's there's and that seems wrong, like to Victor because I don't want to make it. I don't want to do that thing where it's like, well, if you're gonna do it, but you know, I get why people are turning that perspective because. The craziest part is, Jeremy, is that when the string of honor news went down and people in our chat were talking about who's going to go to AEW, like I was, like I said on multiple shows, was like, you know, the he's not going to go there because of the stuff you know, looming over him. And, yeah. uh, you know, 
Gresham comes out. And Gresham is a, I, I get the sense Gresham's taking his time with stuff. He just started a promotion from what I can gather. I can't um, tell, and I wasn't going to, to speculate in the news article. I don't know if this is a promotion or if this is a, a one-off thing, unless he said more, right. and, and I haven't seen it. But That's fair. I, yeah, I didn't know. Yeah, yeah I, I'm, not, I'm not sure if it is a promotion or if it is just kind of a, a one-off event, or if it's like a one-off event that turns into to something more. But right. I'm not, I, I wouldn't call it a full-fledged promotion. Just so. I think they're in different positions in their career, which is the old understatement. Um yeah, so that, that's an event. I, I don't know. I don't know what the situation is. Um, there's a lot of people in Ring of Honor. Said so Jordan Grace is the show. So there you go. It's, it's an event. So okay. Hopefully, Gresham follows. I mean, if we're gonna, you know, I, and Evans right too. Like he's probably gonna win that belt. Um, I would guess he's gonna be the Ring of Honor champion at the end of Final Battle. I would guess that feels like the right choice, whether they're gonna come back or not. Um, there's a lot of people I'd have rather in this spot for a range of reasons, but the main one I don't want to lose sight of is because of the allegations. And But I do agree with the sentiment that it just feels like one unforced, you know, like what a just unnecessary thing this was. Um, it's a shame. And there's no good way to transition from that to us talking about how great the wrestling show was, but this is where, you know, it's, it's not on us, right? We didn't, we didn't put him on the show. Like, and that's where it gets difficult. And we're about to talk about a match probably, when I ask you your favourite match of the night, it won't take us long to get to a match that involves a guy that neither of us really know where he stands on his own thing. And we're going to both probably just talk about our normal match because that's what we do. And everyone does it and it's wrong. And I don't know, I don't know the way to produce the amount of content we do without eventually becoming this kind of cynical, like, well, you know, in ring though, man, the killer. Like, I don't know, I don't know how to do that. We, we generally try to, I think you and I both, and you said this earlier, we don't really give like super overt praise to dudes that are tied into this stuff for a reason. Um, but like, do we do a good enough job? Probably not. No, but it's just, I don't know. It's this tough one. Should we, should we just try and talk about full gear? Cause I think we're both kind of. Let's, yeah. let's discuss full gear. Um, yeah, we're not going to go match by match. I think we're just going to kind of give overarching opinions, yeah. which will pretty much review every match anyway uh let's start at the end hangman page aw world champion so i want to get your thoughts on this match joseph because on saturday's review show uh will and palowski were like they they liked the match but their their issue was like it wasn't the kenny omega classic they went story yeah. with it you know they, <clears throat> they did the ref bump they did callus they did the bucks coming out it was a more story driven match than Kenny Omega is going to go out here, have a classic, and lose to Hangman Page. Did you think this was the the right call? But what were your overall thoughts on the match? I like the match a lot. They're they're right, but I actually think it was the correct choice for a range of reasons. One, I think it may have been false due to Kenny's physical, you know, ups and downs. Um, I don't know that for sure. That's a guess. I actually think the ref bump. And the stuff with the Young Bucks, while divisive, I actually thought was very effective. Yeah. Because to me, this match was the story. Um, I don't think this was the time for the best bout machine epic. I think this was the time to put a bow on the end of chapter one of AEW. And um, to me, the Young Bucks thing was necessary, man. I mean, lest we forget the way they treated Hangman Page, this this ended that arc. And... There's no need, and I could look, I could run, unless they do the Adam Cole match at some point, which they could, um, 
I don't want to see the Bucks antagonizing Hangman. I don't want to see Kenny going after Hangman. This is the end to me of that story. And it was a great story. And I thought they produced a finish that, you know, was fitting for that story. And if you'd followed it, it was really, I thought, quite powerful. I, the people don't like the Bucks doing their acting stuff. I thought Matt's little nod, I actually thought it was quite, quite oh, great. I thought it was great. Yeah. yeah. I, and I understand that because of the Shawn Michaels debate and all that stuff, this stuff all gets grouped together. But I thought it was the right call. I think it made a lot of sense. And it was basically this idea. And I, I don't think it was a coincidence that Hangman won the way he did. You know, he's finished once, hit it twice, pinned him clean in the middle. Because the idea was, and this was the, the concept of Wednesday's segment too, like Hangman had got over he all that stuff, all that stuff that they'd got in his head about, like was gone now. And now that he had, he had you know, got himself where he needed to be, he was going to beat Kenny's ass. And he did in the end, right? Like I I just, uh, <clears throat> to me it was, a, it was like a symbol that he's ready to be the top guy in AEW they always wanted him to be deep down. And they fuck with him a lot, and that ain't right. But like, I don't know. I actually thought it was pretty damn awesome. It wasn't my favorite match of the night, but like, they, they didn't have much chance of beating my favorite match of the night. That was that was locked up and already tucked in bed by then. So it was great though. I thought it was really really good. I don't know. What did you think? I thought I thought it was good too. I thought story at the end of the day was the correct call, and yeah. here's why: you can go. They're they're technically one and one you can go back to this. And I don't know how soon they're going to go back to this in my head. I think you can go back to this as soon as double or nothing. And I say that because they told the story here, right? Like, like they told the story with, with Callus with the ref bump, with the bucks coming down. And I love the little nod, the tease and everything, because everyone thought I was going to grab their legs. Like he did in the, to cost them the tag team match and everything like that. Like it was a great tease. I thought, uh, you told the story here. You come back to this at double or nothing. Hangman's still champ. Omega just goes on a run. I don't know what with his injuries right now. Like I hope he the, takes at least the rest of the year off. He won't because he's a madman. Uh, like he's wrestling December 4th. He's got to defend, defend the, the AAA title at the very least. But I think he might actually lose that match. Um, but you, he takes time off. He comes back and he just goes on a tear again. Mm-hmm. And then he comes back at double or nothing. He, he earns number one contender status. He earns the title match, however he earns it. And then he says, you know what? No Don Callis, no Young Bucks. The last time when we wrestled at full gear, there was none of that bullshit. I beat you in a straight up wrestling match. That is what you cannot beat me in. Just a straight up wrestling match. Like I got clouded by all this other stuff. I'm just going to beat you this way. And then Hangman's like, all right, we'll see. And then you, you run that back at double or nothing. And maybe that's where, because we both thought that the one winged angel kick out was going to happen here. And, and it didn't. And for the story purposes, I thought it worked. If you give me best bout machine, Kenny Omega at double or nothing, and then he hits it and then you get the kick out or don't get the kick out. I think you can tell, tell a whole different story by doing the rematch then. So I think they have another match in them. That is just a Kenny Omega classic. I'll be honest. I don't dislike anything you just said, but if I had the the book, Kenny would go away for a couple months and he would eventually come back as a baby face and make the save for Hangman. And you would have a moment where them dudes would, you know, go head to head, shake hands, hug, whatever it may be. And it would be, I think, cathartic for the whole audience. Lest we forget, 
Kenny was a guy that's own insecurities and concerns drove him to being this kind of egomaniac fueled by Don Callis because he was so desperate to win the big one. You know, and in, in addition to that, and this one's really interesting, I think we think they're much better as heels. The Bucks, like, they basically got conned by Callis. Like, do you remember how much Callis manipulated them into, into becoming what yeah. they've become? There's a lot of meat on the bone, in my view, and a lot of substance to their story of them guys redeeming themselves. Now, I'll be real. I'm not rushing for the Bucks there because I think they're so good as heels. Yeah. To me, the idea of Kenny going home for a bit, coming back as a baby face, and then kind of, to, like, I would like his role to be moving forward. Um, I would like his role to be just, like, promotional icon that has these big epic pay-per-view matches and doesn't wrestle much in between, you know? And that audience adores him. And I think telling the story of him kind of writing his wrongs one by one and trying to figure out where he fits in the new AEW, I think is really cool. Like, I, I, to me, I said all year that I saw this reign as the end of him as, like, true best bout machine. And when I said that, people thought I meant, like, he was done. But what I meant was there's no need for him... There's no need for him to be world champion anymore, man. Like, this was the run he needed to have in AEW, and he had it, and he killed it. He did himself a lot of physical damage doing so. He was champion of other promotions. I think he's the wrestler of the year. I think you let the audience love that dude now. I don't know how much more he's going to wrestle, but I think as long as he does, he should be, a like, an absolute promotional titan, you know? He should be a guy that everyone's proud to have on, to have on board. And, and I know they are anyway internally, but what I'm saying is let the people love him. I don't want to boo him, they're being honest with themselves. Like, and I, you could obviously do the thing where Cole kicks him out. I'm just saying that I, I think there'd be a lot, whenever it happens and however you do it, you could have Cole kick him out and then he goes away. But him eventually saving Hangman and then watching them to his on-screen characters piecing together their dynamic, I mean, that'd be great TV. I really do. I'm, I'm totally for that scenario as well of him going away, coming back, saving Hangman, becoming a baby face. I think, and I, I don't think they're going to have this issue. You've got to have, have the right heels in place. Cause he's, he's obviously the number one heel right now. Adam Cole is certainly the guy who it's like, yeah, this guy can be the number one heel in, in his absence. We, we MJF can, can fill that role. We think punk is kind of looking potentially going that way. Uh, so there's plenty of people who can, who can fill that role. I think that honestly, I think either scenario works and it yeah. might depend on, Hey, let's give him a couple months off. See where we're at. Cause I don't know. Tony Khan has said that he had the first four planned out. And I think that was fairly obvious uh, from the start. I don't know how much is planned out after this, especially with all the new people they have the new people they could be getting. I think it might be a case of let's let him go away. Let's see what this roster looks like in another two months, because more changes are going to kind of be coming and then, okay, where does Kenny Omega fit almost in this landscape? And I know that's not, you know, I think Tony Khan likes to have more things planned out than that, especially when it comes to a top guy like Kenny Omega. But that just might be where they're at in, in a couple of months, given how this roster is is turning over at the rate it's turning over. It's interesting for sure. And there's, there's some guys that we added and, you know, all that stuff. And my thing is, what matches are left that you're desperate to see Kenny Omega have? And for me personally, most of them I think work best as bordering on exhibitions in a dream match sense. Um, 
I think obviously there's some guys in New Japan that people would like to see him run it back with in, in AEW, and it goes without saying. But like, if I can get to a point where next summer CM Punk is the AEW World Heavyweight Champion as a heel, and suddenly you heat Kenny back up to try and win it as a baby face, you see what I'm saying? Like, there's yeah. a there's a lot to that. Um, and him and Brian, like, they're going to run it back as I'm winning. To me, that works. Like, the idea of a babyface Kenny Omega wanting to wrestle Brian again because he doesn't know if he can beat him, and them having a babyface match, I mean, that's magic. Like, I, there's not really any matches for him because he's just been a heel champ for a year, you know? So it's difficult. And also, the looming Mount Rushmore fellow, um, he's a really hard one to slot in when he comes in, if he does, because everyone's going to cheer him. But it feels like the story is for him to be a heel. So that will be something for them to figure out. You know, Kyle O'Reilly and Red Dragon and is that. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. How you get Cole away from these guys and they become baby faces again and you know, Cole is heels with the the undisputed era guys. It's difficult. There's a lot to it. I you know. I think there's there's ways to do both stories, as you said, that's effective. I just – a big part of me and, – and I could be way overshooting this. Like, Kenny may have another five, ten years. I don't know how long he has left, you know. I, I just get the sense that with what he's been for the promotion, people will be really relieved to just be able to cheer Kenny Omega. And he'll be goofy sometimes and silly, but that's why people like that dude, you know. Like, And part of that is him – just ridding of Don Callis, which would be a pop too. So yeah. there's a lot to it. Um, I think it's a good problem to have of like, all right, what are sure. we going to do with Kenny Omega? Yeah. Do we want him to be one of our top heels or do we want him to be one of our top faces? I'm with you that I do think a big part of the audience wants to cheer Kenny Omega. That same part of the audience will continue to boo him if he acts like a dick sure. on the return. Yeah. And everything. So, uh, you know, we've talked a lot about Kenny Omega, and, and I think rightly so, because since he won the title a year ago, in all time, and an all time run, like th- this moment was certainly about Hangman Page, but we should not lose sight of everything Kenny Omega did o- over this last year. During it wasn't like full Moxley where he was with empty arenas every single night, uh, but during a part where you're welcoming back the crowd and everything like it, it, it is a tough gig because they, you got the title when crowds were kind of coming back and you don't know how everybody's going to react once they're back in the arena and everything. Mm-hmm. And I thought they handled it well. And obviously when it comes to just his match catalog over the last year, he not only had the, the classic just straight up matches and did some barbed wire death matches. He did a, uh, a hardcore match against Sammy Callahan. He wrestled a variety of opponents and yeah. he made them look mm-hmm. as good as he looked and that, that in itself too is an art. I'm going to be honest here. I've been doing some digging as of late. I haven't watched all the wrestling this year. I'm going to try and figure that out in the next month. Uh, but in terms of the fleet 50, I was doing my kind of first draft and like, I think Kenny's, I think Kenny's the rest of the year by, by actually a pretty sizable distance. I get the Brian thing and I wouldn't knock it. But when I really sat down and looked at Kenny's year, 
It's I incredible. thought it was, you know, it's incredible. Yeah. And, I, and he's just, he's been remarkable. And I hope that everything I said about him being a baby face was like, I meant it in, with the utmost admiration in the sense that that dude deserves to just be like treated like a legend in that promotion in the most sincere, authentic way. I would like them to treat him the way that WWE would treat like latter career Shawn Michaels on the biggest shows where it was like, this is the dude. Cause they convinced the whole generation. That was the truth. Whether it was or not, I'm not going to enter the debate now. Do that shit. But without the, uh, without the angle where JBL says that he's poor, don't do that. That was bad. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm just saying like, there's, there's something to be said for babyface and heel, but AEW is in such a strong position when they can do babyface matches anyway. You can, you should lean into that. Um, you know, and the Bucks can stay assholes because I think, frankly, they're just their act. I think is so enhanced. But I mean, I like them as baby faces too. But God bless when they're, they're how how great are they? They come up with their beards. What they're so shit. much better as heels. So, so good. much better. Like I know the nod people have said. Oh, is this like a baby face turn type of thing? I hope they continue to to stay as and as long as they're aligned with Cole, that will probably be the case because because they see Cole. I think they see Cole as, if not the top heel, like definitely top two, top three. Yeah, and and, and I don't think they're they're wrong for that. Um, yeah, I, I think the Bucks will will stay as heels at least with Cole, and then once other people come in, who knows where where they're gonna go with right. all of that? It could certainly be uh, could be something by by that point. Um, and as far as Hangman Page winning, I love the entrance. Uh, on the oh. horse, the, the quick little recap of everything, fired up. The, the graphics department, we're proud of you. Just so many, like, I don't even want to call them little things. Some of them were little things. Some of them are just like, yeah, like, why wouldn't you do something like this? Just great shit. The, the moment, him afterwards tossing the beer away, hugging the Dark Order, just... Just good shit, man. Honestly, yeah, they, just they good na- shit. They nailed it. You know, I read a great article from Joseph Montesio. I hope I see his name right. He's wonderful, but he did a great article. He didn't like the main event very much, um, but he had this kind of conclusion, which I completely get and agree, and agree with. Is like the idea that none of that mattered anyway, right? It was all like, I mean, we liked the match, but what happened bell to bell was almost irrelevant. You just needed to get that. You needed to get the broad strokes correct, which was Hangman Page at the end of that show standing there with Dark Order. Yeah. And, uh, they nailed it, and I think they, they should be very proud creatively of what they produced with Hangman because lest we forget where he was two years ago, and he now feels like the most just surefire, can't-miss babyface in the industry. His promos are great. He's authentic. He's natural. He's believable. He's, his ascension was organic. All of the stuff you want, they've got now. And, and as I said, I think this is a new era of sorts. I think you know, they're heading to TBS in about six weeks. And it's a ma- it's a challenge now of you've done the the chase you did it perfectly, even when circumstances challenge you you did it perfectly. Now it's a, a matter of how do you do this hangman babyface title reign. There's certainly some people lined up to wrestle him. I don't think they're going to be short on on contenders or challengers, but it's about positioning that guy to continue to succeed. Because as we did find out on Saturday, as great as that match was, these are long shows and it's really hard to go on last. And I thought they did a good job on Saturday and they had a triumph and they did not fall short by any means. But like, Hangman isn't going to wrestle Kenny Omega in every pay-per-view. So you have to position him in a position, like you have to put him in a spot where he's always wrestling guys that they're going to be able to go there and kill it four hours into a show. 
which is hard, but like they've got the talent to do it. So that's going to be a big topic moving forward. Is Hangman as babyface champ? If they can, if they can keep him the way he feels now, that's a big challenge. If a lot of companies have struggled with that, we've seen a lot of great chases followed by kind of eh, reigns. It's a difficult thing to do. I think Hangman, though, I think you probably like he has all the tools to actually be a real champion. You know, yeah. it's not just a moment with him. People really love that dude. So I'm optimistic. It, it will be an issue. I'm optimistic as well, but it will be an issue because we haven't seen that from AEW. Jericho was the champion with the crowds. Moxley, of course, of course, won the title with the crowds back, but Moxley's run lasted just a couple weeks before the pandemic. Moxley's yeah. entire babyface run was, mm-hmm. you know, without crowds. And do, do I think he could have had the same run with crowds and it had been fine? I mean, you ain't doing that Jake Hager match if, if you're in front of crowds. Um, yes, but yeah, he would have had probably just as good of a run if they had crowds. It would have been it would have been different regardless because I think some of those matches probably wouldn't have happened if crowds yeah. were there. I don't think Brody was ever the plan for for Mox. No, and, it was MJF by all accounts, right? Yeah, so you know they they switched things up. You know how much would have changed if crowds had been there. You know, now this is the first kind of test of a top babyface champion with the crowds back and keeping them, like you said, through a mm-hmm. four-hour pay-per-view and for weeks and weeks on television with the build. I don't think they're going to have too much of an issue because Hangman is who he is. Um, and he's going to be res- – like, his first title defense is against Brian Daniels. He's so, pretty good, that guy. Yeah, that won't yeah. be okay. Yeah. <laughs> I think that it, uh, things will be okay uh, in, in that department, but it'll be a test. It'll be, it'll just be something that we have evidence from one company for a lot of years that they screw it up. And so that's kind of where our brain goes. And we don't have any evidence from the other company, despite all the good things that they've done that they can pull it off. So I think there's reason to be questioning the, these types right. of things. And this is, you know, for you know, Tony Khan, it'll be, it'll be as a, a test for him. This is the stuff that, you know, these are the conversations we like having. And NXT was great. For example, in the mid-2010s, NXT was an awesome brand. But they had this issue an awful lot, you know, where it'd be like, yeah. the, and then what? And I think if ever there was a roster built for it, this is it. So I'm I'm pretty confident. I'm always confident what Hangman can do because that dude's just so capable. Um, it was a great match. Now, Jeremy, what was your match of the night at AEW Full Gear, the pay-per-view extravaganza at 8 p.m. Eastern time on November 13th. Man, it's close. Now, you said you seemed like you had it locked up early on. It's like Darby and MJF. Facts. I was, I told you beforehand, I was worried about a Styles clash in that one. And they completely went out there and just said, fuck you, and gave me a fantastic, fantastic match. Brian and Miro was, was tremendous. And Eddie and, and Punk, it's almost disingenuous to call it a wrestling match they just fucking murdered each other (laughs) see here's the thing how often have we sat on this show and we've been like you know they shouldn't even lock up they should just go out and fight yeah and it's like people kind of do it but like not really yeah. Right. Well, they like they'll do like they'll fight, they'll brew at the bell, and then they'll start like going through tables, and they'll go through the crowd and stuff. And it's like, the, he I'm hit not him with the back fist before the bro, bell ring. He hated him so much. I'm not saying like if you don't have it as your best match, like that's fine. There was a lot of options. 
The one thing I would say in my like case for why I think it was the best match, it is 100% the match that I will remember most. I'm pretty confident everyone else will because stylistically, there is literally not a comparison for it yeah. in AEW history. And if I'm being honest, there isn't really a comparison for it in the last 20 years of American wrestling. It was a complete outlaw. They went 11 minutes, Jeremy. The Minnesota Street Fight went 20. <laughs> These dudes, and, and Kate mentions it. By the way, Kate's watching this. Seems bad. She should be, have better things to do than watch us two dipshits. But anyway, Punk came out all business, right? None of the stuff you usually see. Kingston had the had his hands taped, ready to fight. He had that great visual with Bryce in the middle. The trading chance. Good Lord, man. That audience was so ready for that day. It just felt alive. There's a lot of great wrestling nowadays, and I love all of it. I'm not someone that's going to guarantee that my stylistic preference is the only thing that's good. I don't believe that. However, <laughs> however, there is something to be said for a match like this that is that divorced from this, the kind of the, like trends in terms of genre, you know? This thing st- stands alone. I don't know what comparison you have, Jeremy. I would say there was, it reminded me a little bit of Funk and Flair from Great American Bash, but that even has like a middle part and it slows down. It was literally just 11 minutes of violence and they had the people the whole damn time. It was magical. It was. I I guess I would go. It's so tough. I, I, look, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna die on the, the Brian Danielson hill, and it's not even a, a huge hill to die on. But I absolutely love that match yeah. with Miro and Punk Punk and Eddie was everything I wanted it to be, and like that is something to be said as well because they didn't just go out there and just have a wrestling match like it was it was just a fight to me i understand it was pro wrestling but it really was yeah the way they sold it to like just staggering around after the bell like it was so 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 good you're right that and maybe that's why i have a hard time picking it is because like it did feel just so different than everything like it did not feel like pro wrestling yeah maybe that means it it was the best pro wrestling match because it what it did feel just so disconnected from everything from me Mm -hmm. that i i I view it in a different way and maybe that is a testament that it's better than if i just said yeah this was my match of the night it it just stood by itself i do have to say I have a victory lap to take on this because we talked okay. about on the distraction and you, and you are, you share this victory lap with me. There were people that try to pretend this match was going to be bad because oh, they're yeah. both promo guys. Yeah. And I have to say, we all need to do, no, actually no, not you, but like those of you that talk about professional wrestling with microphones like this one, listen up, okay? <laughs> we have got way confused with like what a good professional wrestler is. And I'm here to tell you all that the fact that CM Punk does not do like B triggers, not knock at Kenny, but you know what I'm saying? Or that he doesn't do like 450s. He may not be like a traditional work rate guy, but if you think he is anything less than a master of that craft, brother, let me tell you that dude is, he's, <laughs> he's something else, man. Cause now you and I talk about, like, I didn't see everything punk did and I'm not like a huge fan of anything. What I have seen over the last two months is outrageous. This dude missed seven years. He was in there fighting, and it was like his performance was so brilliant. The only person that could produce something comparable was the guy that he was sharing the ring with. He's selling the way that he manipulated the audience, 
that great bit at the end where he started beating King up and went was going to pick him up for GTS. Looked at the people, they started booing, and he went down and, and reined in more shots. You know, he smug grin when Kingston wouldn't shake his hand. Like Punk is um. Both of these dudes, they're a great example of where people do this thing with like, well, they're not great worker, and it's like, no, actually, they're they're incredible workers. They just don't do the moves that we give. You know what I'm saying? Right. <laughs> they're as good as it gets in terms of working an audience. I mean, this thing was, God bless, oh hell. Yeah, I did not. Uh, when you brought that to my attention on Thursday's show, that people thought this was going to be bad. I, I don't see any way this is going to be bad because right. both guys are just very good pro wrestlers. Like yeah. they're. They're going to do a good pro wrestling match. And that doesn't, and I think I said it on the show, they're going to do like kind of an all Japan style thing. They're going to kick the shit out of each other and it's going to be fantastic. Mm-hmm. You know, if that's not your style of pro wrestling, fine. But this was not going to be just some clunky, oh, we, you know, we don't know how to work type of thing and they couldn't get on the same page type of deal. This was always going to be good. I didn't yeah. expect it to be this level of Me, violence that it turned out to be but yep. i was for I, I was you know proud and happy to see that it was for sure yeah yeah i mean like you know i'm i'm the biggest Eddie kings fan i i believe a lot in that dude's skills that i have for a long time i'll be real with you i'm even myself i'm blown away at what he's producing as a top guy like it's oh yeah it's outrageous like if you look at the last few pay-per-views he had this match the Miro match and the Young Bucks. That's his last three pay-per-view matches. Dude's a monster, man. He's incredible. I, you, you're obviously a much bigger Kingston fan than me. I, I watched enough of him coming up, but I mainly saw like the promo stuff yeah. coming up. Cause the majority of like his impact run, he didn't wrestle a lot during that. Like he, he lets yes. um, the, the LAX guys. Wrestle. Yeah. He was exclusively a manager, I think in yeah. the second run, the first run, he did like a couple tags with Storm right. and, I'm mainly talking about the the second. Yes, he was a mouthpiece. Right, that's the majority. Mm -hmm. So, so like, I knew his promo work what was good. I thought that, and this was before the AW run. Like when he came in, obviously cut the promo on Cody, and the Cody match was great. I did not think he was this good in in the ring. And then you know, watching the AW stuff was like, oh, okay, yeah, he's also good in the ring Mm -hmm. as well. Um, And I think if you know, if you were somebody who didn't think Eddie Kingston was a good worker. Maybe that's how you're clouded is you just watch the promo stuff, but all you got to do is watch a handful of AEW matches to realize, oh yeah, he's also a very good worker. Uh, so I don't know yeah. why people people thought um, this match would be bad or anything like that. Danielson and Miro, were you surprised by the results on this one? Oh yeah, I, I mean, I was pretty... I kind of made an ass of myself by being so confident Miro was going to win. I was like dunking on people in the chat on Friday. I was like, I thought it was a lock, to be honest. I was really surprised. The finish was great. Miro is one of the best in the world at selling in general, but if you give him a submission, he's like top two and he ain't two. Um, he's a great professional wrestler. He happens to be sharing the ring with the greatest professional wrestler to ever live in Brian Danielson, the American Dragon. Um, what I will give them the biggest compliment on, I think you like the match slightly more than me, but here's what I would say. They followed two matches that basically felt like sprints, yeah. That both went like 20 minutes, which that's where <laughs> modern wrestling's out. I love it. You know, it, but, um, they give everyone like six to seven at the start of the match to let everyone take a breather because they're that good at pro wrestling. And they're the level of pros you send out there in that situation is they're over enough and they're smart enough. They knew that by the end of it, they would have the audience completely hooked again. 
but they needed to give them a little bit. And like the start of the match was very selfless, I thought, personally. They kind of sacrificed it. They did stuff. They were working, but they let the audience kind of sit back in their chair. And then by the end of it, I mean, the drama was immense. Miro is, he's so good at that stuff. And that's what we talked about when he came over to AEW about, you know, the, you do this, well, have him do squash matches. No, no, Miro is great because he can have these matches. You can do some squash matches, but making him like a, a monster that can't go, that's pointless. He's The whole skill of him is how great he can go. This match was a tremendous example. And um, I, I'll be honest with you, I think he's a guy that should be world champion in AEW real soon. Now, where that, what that means, I don't know, because I've got the whole title line up and he isn't in it right now. <laughs> but he deserves to be. That's what I'm getting at. He's fabulous. And Brian, you and I, Brian, you know, goes, goes without saying. Here's why I might have enjoyed the, this match more. One, I'm probably a bigger Danielson fan than, right. than you. Um, and, and I've loved Miro's, Miro's run. I don't think Miro was 100% for this match. And I think all the tape and everything showed that. I think that leg that was taped up very legitimately hurt because yes, no one attacked it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Brian Danielson is smart enough to know that, Hey, if, if somebody's taped and like, I can actually go after it, I will actually go after it. Yeah. The fact that he didn't go after it shows that he, that's pretty banged up there. So knowing that they are working around this pretty big limitation kind of enhance the match for me because it just it shows how good both of these guys are yeah people might have a different read of that of like well brian's stupid there's this tape here and he didn't go after that i think we're kind of past the point of yeah you were watching it analytically yeah yeah yeah. so that's why i I think the match i may have enjoyed it more is like i just these guys are just so fucking good when it comes oh, yeah. to, to everything in yeah, professional yeah. wrestling. Yeah, um, but yeah, I, I was surprised that Miro won or Miro lost. And, and it made sense now, now reflecting back, especially if Miro is like legitimately banged up. Granted, you could have done a similar story of he won and then he does the hangman. He doesn't wrestle until the hangman match. He does the hangman match and then he loses that and then goes away. Now it seems like he's going to, he's going to go away just to kind of do promos and things like that. Danielson making sense or winning makes some sense though, because it did create, at least from what I saw in my timeline, some doubt with the main event of like, Oh, okay, well maybe now Kenny will win and they'll run back that, that match without the time limit and everything. So it did a good job there. And it makes some sense. Like you want to submit hangman Omega Danielson back to back. Yep. That it doesn't get more two bigger wins than that when it comes no. to pro wrestling. No, he can beat the guy that Kenny couldn't beat, right? This yeah. is perfect. Um, the match is going to be really great. Too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> of course it is, but like the match is really exciting um, because the physicality that Hangman brings. Like Brian's going to match him on that front. They're going to beat the shit out of each other, um, which is fun. We like that. <laughs> so you know, I, I liked it a lot. Um, Darby and MJF, we mentioned a little bit, like. I'm going to be honest with you, I wasn't surprised that match was really good. Um, maybe I didn't think it would be that good, but, like, someone said this to me, and if you're in the chat, like, I'll credit you because I – but someone said to me that, that uh, MJF's better in ring than he is as a promo at this point, and I might I might run with that. Um, MJF's promo is something I have a lot of fun with because sometimes I do think the content sucks, but, like, mostly I'm doing a bit. I think he was great in the Derby feud. His matches being bad has become like a meme now to me. Like, yeah, yeah, he didn't have classics with Chris Jericho, but like, 
<laughs> like, I'm not. I'm not even knocking Jericho. And that says like it is what it is. But he's really good. He to me, this match was like the one he had with Jungle Boy about yeah. 18 months ago, where like he just basically showed you the stuff you know. Now it was better here because it made more sense within the story because it was him trying and getting really frustrated, like not being able to beat Darby in an actual wrestling match, and then of course taking a shortcut because he's MJF, and that's great storytelling. Um, yeah, I. I really like the match. I actually had that as my second favourite of the night. Um, anything on that one before we, we look elsewhere? Uh, Will Washington brought this up. First off, MJF as a heel, tremendous seller with his over-the-top antics where like you want to feel bad for him, but he's just a complete dick about it. Like The way he sold the knee was just great, great stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, Will Washington brought this up on the, the, the podcast of... It works that MJF doesn't wrestle so much because if he did, people might actually appreciate how good yes. he truly is. And so if you just don't, if you don't see this every week and he just does the promos where you, he gets you to hate him so much with the promo, it's like you don't, need, you don't have to respect him as a wrestler because you don't see this every week. So the fact that he's only wrestling a handful of times on television and, and, and then the pay-per-views – you, you can just continue to hate him without appreciating his wrestling on a week-to-week basis. Absolutely, yeah. And it's it, it also has a case of him being picky stylistically with Harry Works certain matches, you know. Like, if he can, they just wrestle a traditional heel. Obviously, here he did some different stuff, and that was what – there's four pay-per-views a year. So, no, I agree with that completely. Um, what would you say your fourth – okay, so we've we've covered four matches, right? Yeah. Would they be your top four matches of the night? In whatever order, but they yeah. would be your top four. Yeah, yeah. What would be your fifth? Um, Everything else almost blends together. The tag team match was, was great. The finish yeah. would hurt that a lot. Some matches were just too long. Like, like Ty Conti and Britt I thought was very good, but... The problem with that was they didn't have the crowd early and they had to they had to right. really fight to, to get the crowd. And the story got like that was the match that I kinda cared about outside the inner circle stuff, just because I didn't care about that at all. But that was the match that I just didn't have a ton of investment in because the actual story wasn't good. Okay. So I saw a lot of Britt Baker slander on Twitter after this match. And that's fine. Like Brit's obviously got stuff to work on in ring. I get it. But um, this one was 100% on the promotion. Like, yeah. yes. Like, no one bought Ty Conti as winning the title because they didn't give him any reason to. Yeah. And I thought, frankly, I mean, I thought Brute was fine, but like, I thought Ty Conti looked great. I mean, you know, there was times, and I mean this with love, but sometimes when people do the Twitter stuff, you don't know what's a bit and what's not. So I wasn't watching the C shows last year. And when people were going crazy about Tyler, I didn't know if like she'd really enjoyed it or she was just throwing an awesome pump kick. Let me oh. tell you, she's like, yeah, she throws an incredible pump kick. She's like <laughs> real, real good. Um, her offense is dynamite. I think Britt's biggest flaw as a Bell Bell performer, and this is not uncommon, especially for someone like she's not like super experienced by any means. Like her, tra- her transitions feel kind of awkward when she's leading matches a heel, you know? So what happens is when she goes into big finishing stretch, um, it kind of feels like 
forced and unearned and kind of not organic, you know? Like, you'll have these big kickouts, but it doesn't quite... It doesn't feel like the match has progressed in the way that you want it to. Um, and I only say that's a Brit thing because I've seen her have more of these matches and it's been a more common uh, more common problem. Ty, this is the first... I think she had a title match with Sheeta. And I will say, I was talking to my friend of mine and she pointed out to me, like, in fairness to Brit, Sheeta matches would receive a similar reaction in terms of, like, the audience's struggle with them, you know? Now, the, the mechanically, the work was better. But I think there is a real truth. Um, there's a real truth to the notion that, like, whether we can pick holes in the match or not, I thought the match was good, by the way. Um, I would actually go as far as say it was, you know, even a little bit better than that. It's just the case of I wish they were given more of a chance to succeed in the build because the actual placement on the card wasn't too bad. They followed that shitty tag. Shitty's wrong. They followed that weird tag. So, like, the crowd was probably ready to enjoy something. I just don't think they give the general AEW audience enough reason to care about Ty Conti the way that those of us that watch Dark and that such do. Um, that's a shame. I think the women's division has made some positive steps. The, the title programs, last two pay-per-views, Big thumbs down. There's not been a program. There've been matches. Um, there's there's work to do in that regard, certainly. So, but I like the match. You know, I um, I am surprised you did not bring up the uh, the super click featuring your favourite wrestler Adam Cole. Bye bye. Um, it was long. It was long. <laughs> it was just long. You don't like it at all? No, no, I liked it. Like I oh. thought, I thought Cole was your man. He bumped his ass off. In that match, um, I, th- I thought the performances were very good. Just a little long, yeah, just, just a little long. I was like, "All did right, you get it. eighteen minutes." Jim Ross said, "Please let it be over." <laughs> I did. <laughs> I actually, I really liked almost all of it. I adored the finish, yeah, because it was like young Jungle Boy was telling his dad that he was ready to take the pup out himself. Hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> Christian like patted him on the back and sat down, take a seat while he killed Matt Jackson. Very, very funny. <laughs> Um, there was probably like a couple false finishes. I'd shave. <laughs> I'd shave. Oh, out yeah. of it. I, that, that's you know. the thing. The the yeah. the thumbtack knee, like super trigger, whatever they call that thing, and like they they had to make a save on that. Why do you need all three men covering after something yeah. like that? Yeah, can't two yeah. cover and one stand guard or something. Yeah, there were a lot of unnecessary kickouts and whatnot. Can just. Just too long. Again, the performances were good. I had fun with it, but just shave shave some time. Oh, I'm over, by the way, Joseph. I'm over this thumbtack in the mouth spot. It's it's like every match nowadays. Every, every single match. match. Yeah, every single match they do this. <laughs> Fair. Um, every match. They've done it the last three pay-per-view matches, and Britt did it against Abaddon, too. I'm over okay. it. I don't That's need fair. it. In terms of length, though, this was not the. Listen, man. The inner circle American top team going twenty minutes, like that. I mentioned this before you got here. Like, I'm surprised Crosby didn't call the police. <laughs> I'm not actually sure <laughs> that's true. Outside right now, actually. I, I, I read it on Cage Match, and I'm not investigated. But them just starting with a straight tag because they need to. Like, God bless, man. I mean, who? I don't know why that needed twenty minutes. But it got 20 minutes. And the thing is, I didn't even... There was not one match on this show. I'm not doing a bit here when I say this. But I actually thought it was bad. I will say, however, 
that I have watched the Code Man match twice, <laughs> and I have still have no idea because I watch. I'm an hour journalist. Um, hilarious. Think so after this conversation, <laughs> I I'm still not fully sure like what that dude's like. Like I have no clue how that dude's brain is currently operating. I don't know if he's like working people. I assume that he's up to something in the sense that at one point he sat on the outside of the ring for about 10 minutes <laughs> while I got the shit kicked out of him. And then he got up for a hot tag and I was like, I assume he's doing the bit where he has fun with like, like he's popping at the cliche baby face. But like, as I said on the show, if you're going to do this, you have to do it against baby faces because otherwise it's just a match of no baby faces. I don't understand what's going on. I don't, I don't think people... anybody was a baby face in this match. I don't know well, who that's the baby bullshit, faces though. are. <laughs> because the, in someone in my mentions pointed out to me, like, why did Malachi and Andrade not coexist? Yeah. Then they, they, they decided to be friends in all of this and help each other. Pac, I get Pac just has a, a beef with Malachi and Andrade. Like He doesn't actually care about Cody. <laughs> So he just wants to kick the shit out of these guys. But Malachi and Andrade not being able to coexist. I thought that maybe this whole match was just a rib on, on WWE. It's like That's one do... 16 minutes? <laughs> yeah, way too long. We talked about it on Thursday. Like, you do a nice, like, 12-minute, everyone does the cool shit type of thing. And they, they went 16. And, I mean, they did some cool shit. But th- this did not hit. And it killed the crowd as well. This was a match that... There was a reason it got tapped on at the end, and they should have just left this thing for Dynamite or or Rampage. I'm just sitting here popping it, just like how insane Cody Rhodes is. Like he is convinced. Everyone best. that covers professional wrestling is convinced they know exactly what Cody Rhodes is up to. <laughs> and I am sitting here firmly in between this discussion, thinking I don't think I think you're you're both wrong. <laughs> I don't I don't think he's doing some genius heel thing. But I also think he's not completely insane and knows he's not a straight-up babyface. It's wild. And then I'm starting to see tweets, and these some of these people are my friends, but there's starting to be tweets about, like, like you know those Cena deals where it's like, listen, he's a good guy, you know. Let people enjoy Cody Rose. He doesn't have to be a heel. What does, when did this happen? I don't care if he's a good guy. Be a heel, man. He's enough <laughs> with a good guy. <laughs> I think he's tremendous. I'm I'm gonna cheer him. He's a baby face. He's the ultimate baby face. He pops me tremendously. I just don't know if I can watch any more of these matches where he does this stuff. I'm sorry, I (laughs) and and you know me, I'm very like cut and dry with this stuff. Like baby face and heel, like at least give me people that I care. To me, this is bordering on like there's one thing to explore within the art form, but this is bordering on insanity. This is experimental. What's the ideal role? For Cody and AEW on screen, don't don't be like not. No, I like. <laughs> I think it's. I'll be honest here. This is a baby face. I think it's him and Dustin as a tag. Yeah, uh, I know that would refresh him immensely, and it would give Dustin something of importance to do. As it, I'm very scared about the heel thing because I think it would only happen with him as like a top heel, and then I think like, do I really want him as a top heel? Probably not. Like I read that Tony Khan quote where he goes. Be careful what you wish for. And I thought, yes, that's a good point, Tony. I will be very careful what I wish for regarding Cody Rhodes. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I don't know. It's – what do you think, Jeremy? What do you do with Code, man? Team Taz. Remember they did that thing oh, years bless, ago? Man. Team yes. Taz 
and you you turn you turn Hook into the biggest baby face in the promotion by having him beat Cody in twenty seconds. And you see that wrap up Hook, Joseph. See that feels less likely than what I was going to say about him being off screen to me. You know, <laughs> so this conversation is really hard because I get the sense that some people like actually hate Cody and they go crazy with it, and it's like. Bro, that's not me. Like, Remember, I actually like Cody. Like, the human being, I understand this. I don't know a lot about Cody. I get the sense on those scoops that he's a pretty good guy. Um, I just really would like to be able to, entertain, to be entertained by his television content right now, and I'm trying my best. Sometimes he pops with it. There's other times where I watch this match, and I, I just was completely bamboozled at what he was even attempting to do. It was it was wild. Remember when Malachi spit the mist? And his face, and everybody was convinced Cody yeah. was gonna have like a deformed face from it. That would have rolled. I still think you should be wrestling with one boot because he left his. <laughs> you know, you Cody could do like anything at this point. I'm gonna pop for it. It's tremendous. I love the Cody lore. The Cody, you have to say though, tremendous. It, as funny as it is for dipshits us that talk about wrestling, like it is. There is a real WWE vibe to the way the audience rejects him. Yeah. And there is a very good chance that he's doing it intentionally. I am just really struggling (laughs) to have like a lot of confidence in that at this point because it's been months of us pretending he's about to turn heel. (laughs) So I will, you know what I'm going to do, Jeremy? I'm going to let it play out. Good call. Good call. That's what I do when I do best. Do you want to talk about that uh, great tag team match with the. Rick Knox ending. What? Tag title match, Joseph. Oh, did we not talk about that? No. Oh, no, you brew up and then you went elsewhere and then I started yeah. talking about Cody. Sorry, that's my bad. Um, <laughs> by the way, I have a comment to make. I just called a bootlicker. Incredible. Um, <laughs> I've never watched BTE. You know that, right? I actually have a mantle in my house. Never watched BTE. Um <laughs> Someone sent me, because I liked, I can't remember who it was, but someone used as like a reaction meme, Machine Gun Kyle Anderson and Sour Boy. Someone sent me a link that was like 15 minutes of him doing that. And I, I have to be honest with you guys, that I like legitimately almost cried laughing at Matt, the fact that Mac Jackson breaks every single <laughs> fucking time that he does Sour Boy. So I would like to send this as a message to anyone watching this show, both live and on demand. On demand, that made it sound like pay-per-view. Um... I am now open to any BT compilations being sent to me. Um, I may not watch them, but you I will watch. accept them without blocking you. Somebody's done <clears throat> a Dark Order Brody compilation. I've you watched that. That's, okay, yeah, I've watched that stuff. But like, you know, Machine Gun Carl Anderson, Sour Boy, I'd, <laughs> I was very hesitant for that was actually funny. So there you go. Anyway, about the tag title match, I've always great. I think they had six good finishes that they used as falsies and then did yeah. a really shitty finish. <laughs> finish. Oh. People have told me that there was something to it with Dax. And I don't know if that's true or not, because I'm not friends with Dax Harwood. Um, I thought you were. No, he's never even liked one of my... Actually, no, he has. He's shared one of my with before. Ah. Um, fun fact about Dax Harwood. It was once my birthday, and I, I, I wanted to watch some professional wrestling on my birthday because I'm a nerd. And I asked Dax Harwood for a tag match to watch. And he gave me like two suggestions. Uh, so actually we are friends. I'm going to take that back. Um, I spoke oh, to him last night. He, he missed the finish. He was, he was injured. Uh-huh. 
<laughs> no, I, I don't know. It was trash horse. Um, what were the tag matches? Yeah. I forget. It was a long time ago. Probably about four years ago now. Um, so the match, anyway. <laughs> match. The match was really, really good. I loved a lot of it. Unfortunately, the finish really limited how well it would sit in the memory. And I know whose fault that is. I don't have a circumstance, but all the work in it was great. I must say, I mean, the, the Lucha Bros, they're electric, aren't they? Their offense is outrageous, but it's just a shame the finish didn't come off. That's where I'm at, Jeremy. Yeah, they definitely had multiple finishes that, wait, what? Like the, the FTR spike pile driver. The Lucha Bros hitting the package spike pile driver where Phoenix is jumping off uh, one of them and then hitting the other one. That wasn't the finish. Like, that's their finish. They, this was extra oomph yeah. to it. I was sound like a boot looker right now. Yeah, well. And then Rick Knox. I'm telling you, Rick Knox being incompetent, legitimately the best, the, the best story <laughs> AEW. When this man gets a call right, give me the biggest pop in AEW history. Yeah. Jim Ross is a big fan. <laughs> uh great match. It hurt by the finish. We'll see. They'll they'll they might have a better match at Triple A uh Mania or tri- Triple Mania in, in a couple weeks. So. Anything else? From this pay per view to talk about, I feel like we hit everything. But we didn't do about the Minnesota Street far enough, in my opinion. Did you know everything it was invented in Minnesota that was used in that street fight? What have I become <laughs> now that I'm betrayed? You didn't sing it like our pal Share. No, that was inc- I popped huge for that. <laughs> I was I was at home watching my family, and I popped up just. Fist in it because I I knew that would my sense was that she wouldn't be delighted about that being on camera, which made it even funnier to me. I haven't seen her tweets about since, God, but like that was tremendous. We um, we will have we will have a statement from Oh Sherry God bless. on Thursday's distraction. <laughs> tremendous. Um, <laughs> that of course is where my mind immediately went. I messaged her I was like, so we're doing this on Thursday. She's like, yeah, yeah I know. <laughs> Um, I look. I think the men of the year are great. I think Santana and Ortiz are great. I think Sammy was great in this match, and uh, I don't think it was bad. I actually think it was kind of fun, but like it was fun. It was long. It's just long, yeah. And the angle and, needs to end now, which it will. That's the end. I assume. Maybe. I mean, I, I they're still going to do something like Scorpio and Sammy or something, right? Yeah, but that's you can if Dan's not there, you can kind of divorce that from right. this, you know. Right. Yeah. I mean, it, I would it like, was long, and them standing on the apron to start the what was that? Those tags. Respect the business. I guess. Bless them. You ever fought on the streets, Jeremy? Have I ever fought on the streets? Yes. No, I haven't. Okay. Well, if you had, you would have asked me. You talking about one on one? You talking about a ten man Minnesota street fight? And I'd have said I'm talking about a ten man Minnesota street fight. You said okay. So what happens in a ten man Minnesota street fight? And I said well, very simple. You prepare yourself a rope. You hang it around the fighting arena. You stand humbly. Um. Oh my God! Someone tried to do one of those horrific chats. I have them. Scary. I'll read them all. At the okay, end. good, good. Thank I goodness. Them. I don't want anyone to spend their money on saying name that awful and not get rid of. That'd be terrible. <laughs> But yeah, you stand around the rope and then you tag in and out. Um, and then at one point, normally after around five minutes or so, you begin to pull out um, weaponry inspired by Minnesota, 
we've done these a lot in England, Minnesota street fights. The, the key isn't that it's in Minnesota, it's that you do stuff that was... See, that's bought, the thing. Was, I haven't yes. been to Minnesota, so I've never... You don't that's do, that's not what you do in Minnesota street fights. You just, you use stuff that was, that was birthed in Minnesota or wow. invented and such, you know? Okay. Yeah. We have one. When I come to, um, when we do, we go to a show in like Chicago, we'll do a Minnesota street fight. Okay. I look forward to that. Should yeah. be fun. Anything else from Full Gear? Um, so Eddie Kingston wrestled with CM Punk. <laughs> where do I do want, I do want your thoughts on this. Where, where is this going now? Because I think you can play this many different ways. How do you think they're playing it? Before you'd never ask. <laughs> CM Punk comes out on Wednesday. And he says, you know what, man? I'm on like, TNT, 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern on AEW yeah. Dynamite. Yeah. Okay. Um, and he's like, you know what? I was wrong about King. He was ready to fight. I got respect for him. Eddie, come out here so we can like squash the beef, you know? And he does the handshake again. And he has a couple slide digs, but he's mostly a baby face. And Eddie is like, absolutely not. You are full of shit. And you can say shit on AW. And he's going to say, you're full of shit. I don't trust the word you say. You're lucky you survived Saturday night. Um, he'll probably reiterate he wasn't trying to win. He never once went for a pin, as far as I recall. Um, he said, you know, if we ever fight again, I'll bust out even more. That kind of That kind of sentiment. And the commentary team will kind of sell it as like, oh, King's letting himself down with this stuff, you know. Next few months, you have Eddie just kicking the shower people on the sea shows, maybe get a couple of them on TV, Punk still being a baby face. You get through to about, you do the fit in the revolution, you do the MJF match where Punk feels firm like a baby face again. You actually do a deal in there where Punk has to form a team to fight the pinnacle and he goes to King and King's like, go oh, fuck yourself, piece of shit. He beats MJF, he, he rolls into fuck funny. Okay. Um, uh, can you say, well, never mind. Um, you roll into Las Vegas where CM Punk has, has, you know, got himself a title shot in a babyface match with Hangman Adam Page where Punk just wants to see if he can win the big one. Jeremy, that's all he wants to do, you know, nothing but respect. And he, that piece of shit, kicks Hangman straight in the balls when the referee isn't looking, hits the guy to sleep and pins him. And Eddie Kingston on the next TV, you, you start the show with him stealing the Jim Ross's headset and being like, I told everyone, I told you all this dude shouldn't be trusted. And you really let him come in here as an outsider and steal that AEW World Heavyweight title. All because he played nice. And brother, you spend the next three to six months with King on that trail, trying to get a shot at Punk. You do vignettes of him training, and he's, like, dieting and shit, and he's like, I don't want to do any of this stuff. I just want to kill CM Punk. You know, I've got to do it the right way. I've got to climb the ladder. He ain't going to give me a match, Jeremy. I need to kill him last time at Full Gear. And then at Full Gear 2022, on the same event that Eddie Kingston lost to John Moxley, on the same event that Eddie Kingston lost to CM Punk, Eddie Kingston beats CM Punk for the AEW Whatever title. He probably drops it about two months later to MJF and you move on. But that's what you do. If you, if, if I don't know, I look, we do a lot of bits on this. Everything I just said, I actually like firmly believe. King did a very similar angle with, with Cesaro, Claudio in, in, in Shikara, where he was the only one that thought he was full of shit and he proved himself to be full of shit. It's perfect for the Eddie Kingston character. 
where he's right and the audience will be on his side, but also he was kind of unreasonable about it. <laughs> you know? That's to me, that's the play. Now the only thing I don't like about it is if Punk screwed Hangman, I would rather Hangman get revenge. You'd have to do that afterwards. Um so that's something to figure out, but Punk turning heel eventually and being like, you guys were booing me and I didn't do nothing wrong, you know? All I asked for was that dude to apologize. He was a dick to me. He didn't shake my hand. But I'm the bad guy. Imagine Punk doing that shit. I'm the bad guy, right? <laughs> me. It's me that's the bad guy. Fuck me. It's, it's money. All it's right. perfect. I, have, I love it. I have two questions. You you kind of answered one, and that's where Hangman fits in after being screwed. The second one is what are you doing with AEW World Champion CM Punk at All Out in Chicago? Probably Kenny Omega. Okay. From that, you know, I referenced that earlier because you could very easily do the deal where it's like Kenny was the greatest champion in the promotion's history. You know, he's never wrestled CM Punk. Now, again, Chicago's a challenge because he, but like Kenny's yeah. got such a status that like I think it would just be. Like people didn't boo Derby, right? Right. Like it would just be like an epic match. Um, you could also do Danielson, <laughs> which is like you I could run a Daniel- baseball stadium for that shit, brother. Yeah. <laughs> okay. That 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 was my other question: is what are you doing with with CM Punk in, in Chicago? Because it's going to be tough to get anybody. Like it's going to be tough to get CM Punk booed in, in that uh, city. So that that would be the first thing. So I think you would have to put him against a Kenny Omega or a Brian yeah. Danielson to where it's another guy where they ain't booing this guy either. And they can just go out there and just kind of have a great wrestling match. Yep. So, okay. And it's been in the chat mentioning you could very reasonably have hangman as the Steve Austin in that scenario where he comes out and hits a buckshot shot or he's down. You could do, I'd have no problem with that. The way I was imagining the story, I think it would work better if King just beats punk. Um, but like I don't, I don't have a problem with that. Here's the thing, guys. Like I'm biased. I'm not going to guarantee that Eddie Kingston needs to be AEW champ for a long time if that suits his character. He is a level of over though, where I don't feel like I'm really pushing the. Like, I don't no. think I'm really being daring saying he should be the champ. Like he is insanely popular. <laughs> like it's wild how over that dude is. Like the thing that struck me was AEW does this really like they don't do pay per view intros. They just like start the show and Jim Ross runs you and it's like. When they showed the graphic for Punk and King, the place just came up with, with Eddie Charts. It was crazy. It was like, he's, he's a rock star in that place, man. So, yeah. Either way, I hope we get more Punk and King because they're made for each other. It's, it's beautiful progress. I love it. It is. Well, I'm all for your idea, Joseph. And we know AEW will do long-term storytelling that is at the forefront, but also a little bit in the background, as we've seen the last couple of years so a kingston punk feud can stay at the forefront but also simmer a little bit in the background with with everything you don't have to run them out there every week on television cutting promos on each other there will be enough hints and reminders of that they're eddie is still pissed and punk is still a dick and they can all circle back to each other i love it you sold me and if they don't do it uh i think tony khan should give his booker of the year award to to you I at agree. The of, at the end of next year, if this is not yeah. the exact scenario that they do, yeah, it doesn't go beat for beat as I said. Yeah, Tony Khan is fucking blocked. I agree. I agree. Anything else, Joseph? Um, no. I guess we should do the Humper chat. Oh, the Bob chats and go here. The Bobber chats. That's what Bobber they are chats. on our channel. The Bobber chats. Let me refresh the page. Hey, send us some. 
everybody. This money goes to us. It does? I mean, some of it does. My God. Yeah. Uh, Here we go. Ricardo says, for the coronation of a hangman and two-year story to get here. And, of course, the two big stars. Jay Shell says, happy Raw Day. What what are you doing, Jay Shell? Ah, speaking of such, I appreciate that's a good chance for me to do a plug. Um, when Raw starts, the Oracle of Wrestling, I'll be watching a C show from the World Championship Wrestling promotion we all love so much. We're going to head to here with Monday Night Raw. I'd appreciate everyone joining us for that. You can pay just $1 and sign up and get all of the content. No tears. You get all of it. You do more than $1 if you want to. You don't have to. That is um, latenightgrin.com. Latenightgrin.com. <laughs> no the, just latenightgrin.com. Yeah. And if you're not happy, uh, O'Neill will give you your dollar back. Actual. Shell says, happy for all day. So excited for you guys to, to hop on my project. Uh, what was your guys' favorite match from this weekend? We answered that. Yeah. But thank you, Shell. Very excited for uh, your project with uh, Carissa and, and everything you guys are doing at Body Slam. Bodyslam.net with Cass. Mm-hmm. I'm going to kick Cass in the head next weekend, Joseph. So like, what kind of kick were you doing? Like Tyconti pump? Like, are we yeah. talking like a roundhouse? No, I'm going to do, do a straight pump kick. Did you see um, Holloway versus Rodriguez on Saturday? Oh, yeah. Fuck. Fucking Max is like a throwback to the guys. Different. We used to love guys like, you know, we don't yeah. watch it as much anymore. Like We know what's going on. He reminds me of the guys that we adored back in the day, you know? Yeah. Just just an absolute soldier in there, man. And yeah, he is. I mean, he's so exciting. But, God, Holloway's the, a great fire. The shit Holloway takes and just, like, <laughs> doesn't look like it affects him yeah. at all, and he just keeps going forward, that dude is, like, literally built different. Yeah, he's got a crazy poker face. Like, he just yeah. – he and the thing is, Yair is the opposite, where he kind of would show when he was discouraged in there. Like, he's a yeah. soldier, he's a warrior, but you could see when Yair was like, what the fuck, why is this yeah. guy still here? Max hasn't got none of that. Like, his legs kind of just switched up for a bit. He's cool. He's, that dude's just born to fight. He's incredible. Yeah. He rules. I was so happy because I knew it was Saturday night. I thought it was against full gear. And so I was yeah. like a little agitated that it was going to be at the same time. When I found out that it was on uh, beforehand, I was like, oh, sweet. I'll be able to watch this fight. I'm mm-hmm. very glad that I watched the fight. Uh, JJ says, hold on, favorite big stars. Tremendous uh, show, which was ma- uh, damaged by assigning Punk and Kingston, my favorite match of 2021. Eddie will be right when Punk turns. Minneapolis Street Fight was classic TNA fun. Wacky match with legal tags. Love both of you. That's not a compliment, JJ. Oh, Daryl. Yeah, JJ thinks he gives compliments. He's like, very TNA-esque. No, JJ. That rules, man. (laughs) Uh, Taxel says, just got home, uh, so I'm behind on the stream. Darby and MJF was a great match. Cried a bit during the main event. No, no, nothing wrong with that. Uh, I like cry about professional wrestling. We should normalize crying about professional wrestling, you know? It's just normal, like, crying in general. It's okay to cry. Oh, for sure. But that, that, that goes without saying, I've cried on this fucking show. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I agree. Uh, Bam says, once again, once thank you uh, for both for having uncomfortable talks in the beginning. Do you think AEW can rotate their roster better and sometimes have uh, – have to force their talent on paid time off because they can see some wrestle some wrestlers not wanting to take time off. I think they do a good job rotating stuff. And by the sounds of it, I mean they guys can get kind of time off whenever they they right. want so time off. Based on the phrasing, I think um you know, meaning the idea that using Omega as an example actually 
actively kind of suggesting. Oh, now I don't know. Neither of us work there, right? So I don't. But Paige, full time of Matt's, I think they were going at. Um, Perhaps I don't know. Omega's obviously difficult because he's obviously more than just a talent, right? And like, also the like, if we if we don't actually see him until the end of the like next year, then he probably was going to go away after all out if he could have dropped the belt there as as intended, you know. So it's also difficult in that sense. Um, I'm big on on guys taking time off because it's best for, for the product, like not getting overexposed to people. I've always been big on that. has to be the right circumstances, obviously. Um, as for the rotation thing, I think they do a really good job of it as is. Actually, my critique would be, honestly, Jeremy, sometimes I think they rotate too much and yeah. they don't have enough like star versus star matchups. Now, I really like lower mid-card versus top guy, but like, I actually think that sometimes they could do more big time matchups. That's not a big criticism, but I would go more that direction than rotate more personally. That's just me. Uh, I'm with you. I think when it comes to guys getting time off, one, it seems like if they, if they want it, they can get it. I do think Tony Khan will suggest it to be a punk has told the story of like after the first match, he's like, Hey, you want, you want time off? Like even page after his match, like he got time off the coffin match. He got time off. After that, now this is much different than taking months off. But Hangman, it was obviously personal reasons. He got yeah. weeks, at least a couple months off. I feel like at least a month off. So if they feel and they have a, they certainly have enough talent to where you can go to a guy like Omega and be like, hey, take take a month off, take a month and a half off, and did not lose anything as far as like the what's on television of like, oh man, this guy's off. I'm not tuning into the show. And it helps because people, people talk about, Oh, what happens when you run out of pops and everything? Like they ain't going to have the big debut pop every single time. You can have that big return pop as much as you want. Yeah. And let's be honest. They're going to get a lot of those debut pops too, because the other place is running people away. Like wrestling's about in a really, really weird space, man. Like I don't think the uh, departures from that place are stopping anytime soon. No, no. So like, Either AEW is going to add a new main event every quarter, or one of the other companies is going to make a big move, or a new company will come in. Jeff, hit me up. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what that will. I don't know what that will entail. But like, we both have names in our mind right now, and there's like three of them that are like pretty big names that are going to come out and get a big reaction on AEW TV, and that could be within the next like ten weeks. <laughs> So, like, you know, it's it's a pretty wild time in that regard. But, yeah, to your point, yes, the returns also, Hangman being a great example of it. That was an epic moment when he came back. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you can get the you can get a return pop anytime you want. And they, yeah. they can do this because they've created enough stars to where guys yeah. can take a month, two months off, and then you're not losing anything on television. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Joseph, absolutely. Anything you would like to, to plug Further. Yes, Um We're going to be live in just 45 minutes, hit and play in 55 minutes for a C show that we will share via the chat when the show's on the air in order to avoid um, a lawsuit. Um, that show, we find out we just Oracle Live. We're going to talk about, obviously, Full Gear, and it's going to just be us talking shit while the wrestling's on and popping and stuff. So that'll be fun tomorrow night. You and I are going to do the Ring of Honor show with the with the full cast back together, as far as I know, right? Which should be fun. We're going to do CM Punk and Raven. 
the, the dog collar, which is a fitting match to do after we just saw a CM Punk bloodbath. Um, I don't know what else is happening tomorrow. Wednesday, the pre-Dynamite show on here. Um, Thursday, the distraction, all that good stuff. Late night green on Friday. I will say, and I said this last night, and I, I want to reiterate it. If you guys, as our audience, feels as though we are not giving kind of uh, rightful time or being totally transparent on major topics, um, I would like you to know that you're free to to hit me up with that. Now, I would prefer, you know, if you DM it to me, like, I'll probably see it. I'm going to be immediate on it, but I'll see it. Um, I intend to, and, you know, Jeremy and I have done this show for long enough. I think our track record's pretty good. I intend to talk about stuff that's, like, actually important. Because if we're being honest, we're going to film most of our our shows talking about stuff that ultimately in the real world, in the grand scheme of things, is irrelevant. You know, just our fun fantasy booking and fake fighting analysis. That's fun. We love doing that. But every once in a while, professional wrestling gets real and offers you something that's like, actually, real people are, you know, being affected and, and stuff of that ilk. And we've seen some of that in the last two years. Um, if you ever feel we're doing a bad job of spotlighting those stories, you, you can hit me up. I'm sure Jeremy feels the same. Like, Jeremy's more busy than I, so hit me up and I'll talk to Jeremy about it. But I'm very thankful for this platform. I understand there's a lot of people that would love to have this platform. And I have no intention of, of taking it for granted anytime soon. So you feel we could do better? Tell me and I'll try to do better. That's about it. I, I echo that. We we certainly do not want to shy away from any topics. That's that's definitely not what, what we are out here to do. So if you think we're not covering a certain topic enough, then let us know. And mm-hmm. we will we will make good on that. You know, that that is the extra beauty of, of having this platform along with the, the Thursday show is we don't have to wait on things. Cause there was a, especially when we were just doing one show a week, it did feel like, okay, well do we, this is important, but do we really want to talk about it? Like it feels right. like it's, it's dead news now. And that that's on us to, okay, if it really was that important, we probably should have addressed it still. Uh, but now because we don't, we do a show literally almost every single day. And if we want to do a show every single day, we could like if we if we want to do something on Friday because I think Friday is the only day we don't stream uh, during the weekday mm-hmm. on here. Then we can get together and if the timing works out, we can do something on Friday. Um, same thing, same thing with the weekend. So yeah, if you want us to to address a certain thing, we let us know and we will certainly we'll certainly do that. We've feel like we've always had a good relationship with our audience and communicating with you guys and talking to you guys about what uh you know what you guys feel is important so we'll continue to do that you can message me you can message joseph and either one of us will will get it and we'll talk about it as far as other plugs we will be back tomorrow ring of honor uh yeah we're reviewing punk and and raving we're doing a watch along of punk and raving reviewing the television do i have to watch honor for all that's a really difficult question because like, that's going to cost money, isn't it? Yeah, I think I'm pretty sure. I mean, it doesn't have to, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going to be honest with you, and we're doing this on the air, but like, and I mean this with love to all the wrestlers that are doing these matches. I'm not fully sure we should review the TV at this point. I So I don't know how much you uh, kept up in, in your two weeks off. I didn't. I didn't make O'Neill watch it two weeks ago because 
for that reason of like what's the yeah what's the point and then jensen watched it he he has to watch it because he has to do o'neill wasn't on the show last week but jensen watched it because he does the weekend there anyway and it was like championship edition the matches were good but i was just like yeah it, like sure right. if you want to but i'm i'm completely with you i'm gonna be honest and i'll have a look at what i've got in my in my like lineup i think there's a real chance that tomorrow night's show is us doing two matches okay um Again, I want to reiterate, this is with all due respect to them doing the matches, but here's the thing is, we'll, we'll definitely do Final Battle. We'll probably do that as the Monday show that week. So like, I'd actually like, Jensen can join us on here. You know, like, whatever the situation is, we'll try and, because Final Battle is going to be special, isn't it? Like, for, for better or worse. Listening to what the aforementioned AEW signing said and what Homicide said on the Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast, I had to listen to, to, to Homicide Talk. And we're saying, loyal folks. Can talk about that? We can talk about that. We can talk about a little bit, but just quickly, like, listening to their description of Ring of Honor, it, you know, it feels like the, uh, the yeah. end is nigh, unfortunately. Yeah. So I don't really think it's necessary to watch TV, especially it's empty, but, I, you know, we'll, we'll watch two matches, I think, tomorrow. But, um, okay. yeah, so I listened to the interview. I, look, I don't know a ton about Sam Roberts. I understand that he's not particularly popular, which seems bad. Um, I was very happy to see him interview Homicide, though, because Homicide doesn't do a lot of those interviews. Yeah. And it was, oh, man, it was Homicide. Let me tell you, he was <laughs> he was in full gear, so to speak. It was quite fun, right? I enjoyed it. Um, I got a lot. I've already got two articles out right now, but I have even more coming off of uh, Homicide. Yeah. I, thought, I thought it was a very good interview because, like you said, he doesn't do a lot. And you could tell, like, Sam was Sam was like a fan, which, which made it yeah. which made it better. Yeah, yeah, Jay Shell. Like, I, I can take or leave Sam Roberts as an opinion. I, he's, he's whatever. But I think he's a, a decent enough interviewer. And please don't say that, T.O. No, uh, I think he's a decent enough interviewer. And it was, it was a fun, it was a fun little interview. Oh my God, that's the worst thing anyone in the chat's ever said about us. I know, okay, right? um, tomorrow now I've, I've decided, Dream. I made an executive decision. On tomorrow's show, we will watch the following. Death Before Dishonor, July 19th, 2003, CM Punk versus Raven Dog Collar. We will also watch War of the Wire, 29th of November, 2003, AJ Styles versus Samojo. We will do a double header for the foreseeable future because we've all loved to the men and women that are filling those shows up. I cannot watch those shows and, like, come on in and analyse them without putting a disclaimer for everything. Of well, if it, you know... If things come back, like they got like three weeks left, this you know, <laughs> this it just seems silly to me. Unfortunately, I agree. I agree. Yeah. Like it's it's tough to watch the television under the circumstances. Yeah. So the the watch along for old matches seems better. Um, okay, so we'll be we'll be back on that tomorrow. I'll be on Twitch tomorrow. Twitch.tv slash Fightful Gaming. Joel Pearl playing GM mode. And SmackDown vs. Raw 07. SV3 might be on there once again with us to critique our booking and everything. So we'll be doing he that. He did a new list. He did a new list, Jeremy. What, what's the new list? I mean, it wasn't new. I think it's like five days old. But The AEW pay-per-view list? Yeah. Yeah, we should yeah. bury that at some point. Okay. He was on the show uh, talking about that with us uh, last week. Or some last Monday? At some point, I don't remember. Um, so we'll be doing we'll be doing Twitch Wednesday. We will be here for the Dynamite pre-show 
at what time's that show, Joseph? Six thirty, right? Yeah, six thirty. Okay. I'm gonna ask you again on Wednesday. What time's our show today? Well, just be prepared. Anytime <laughs> after six is cool. It'll probably be pretty <laughs> fluid, to be honest. Okay. So we'll be back here on Wednesday doing that. Thursday, of course, we have the, the main show and then the post show. And Friday, we have gaming. So there's there's always content. Next week, the schedule will change up a bit. I got to talk to Joseph about that off air. But next week, the, the schedule will change. And I'll inform everybody of what's going on next week, probably tomorrow's show and definitely on Thursday's show. But thank you guys, everyone, for, for hanging out with us for fucking two hours and 15 minutes. We appreciate y'all a lot. Enjoy the rest of your night. Go latenightgrand.com. Uh, watch Joseph and, and Oracle, who will be taking my spot when I retire. Uh, watch some some C-show stuff and don't watch Raw. Talk to y'all later on. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.